In the winter of 2021, after getting a couple co-production hits under their belt, Funimation Entertainment released Tribe 9 onto their streaming platform. It was an ambitious attempt at combining the nine-inning slugfest of baseball with the full-contact blood sport of professional rugby. Being a new project from the creator of Danganronpa, Steph and Andrew of the Dub Talk podcast were immediately interested in talking about it once a dub was released. And two weeks after the subtitle version debuted, Soundcaden Studios did not disappoint. There were, however, a few problems in getting the episode off the ground. First was getting around the adult language in situations that might not be appropriate for all listeners. DubTalk had long been able to get around this by releasing a disclaimer beforehand, so this base was well covered. Next, they had to deal with the spoilers for Tribe 9, and possibly other anime that would inevitably come up. Again, the solution came with what DubTalk had always done, by warning the listener up front to make sure that they were caught up. Finally, there was the issue of personal opinions. This one actually proved the easiest to solve, as they belong to the individual participants and don't actually reflect the DubTalk podcast as a whole. Realizing these weren't actually problems and were actually an excuse to get a creative disclaimer using Patrick's sports documentarian voice made for the episode, Steph, Andrew, and Jamal, with a little extra help from Patrick behind the scenes, could go through. This is the product of their labor. Enjoy. Hello, one and all, and welcome to the Dub Talk World Series. We've got a hell of a game tonight as we find out the champions among champions. With me, as always, are my fellow commentators, Jamal and Andrew. Thank so, you, Stephanie. It's a pleasure to be here tonight on this wonderful evening as we're playing the big old ball game with the big old brass balls. All that, all the balls going in the air as there's balls going around in the air. Balls, 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 balls. What the fuck are you talking about? I don't know. I'm going to pass this off to Jamal. I might be having a bit of a... Bit of a spasm, so to speak. Jamal, please take the reins. Sound my XP, babe. XP, love the XP, babe. Come on, babe. Get home west. Go XP. <laughs> I love it. Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> tonight's match is certainly going to be one for the history books as it's tribe against tribe. We'll be tackling the game of XB with the winter 2020 anime from Linden Films and director Yu Aoki. Tribe 9. Did you mean 22? Is it, is it Linden or Leiden? Leiden. Lind, I, I, it's, I, when I looked up, it's Linden. At this point, we just dropped the charade. <laughs> we dropped the bit. It's fine. Uh, anyway, yes, we're here to talk about Tribe 9, ladies and gentlemen. Yay. I'm Yay. excited. So, yeah, this has been an interesting uh, show to watch mm-hmm. and to look into for a couple of notable reasons. Oh, we will get to that. Before we do, if you have, before we get this game started, uh, we're going to give you a little bit of history behind tonight's competitors. The year is 20XX. In Neo Tokyo Country, the youth form tribes to find a place to belong. Conflicts between tribes intensify and the government passes the XB law so that these conflicts can only be resolved through extreme baseball. Players can throw, hit the ball, and each other, and the radical sport garners an an enthusiastic audience. A bullied boy named Haru Shiro... Shiro... Gane. 
Giorgane. The the sorry, I got distracted because the summary spells is the last name different than it what is Shirogane, yeah it, yeah it's it's sp- the summary spells as shirokane with a k uh haru shirogane who wants to become stronger and taiga who came from across the sea meet the strongest xp player and leader of the minato tribe shun kamiya he will lead them against a man who aims to control all of the tribes all right so, as always, we're going to be covering tonight's bald game from start to finish with the teams, the players, coaches, and the overall game. We're going to go all nine innings, and we're going to hope we don't go into overtime, because when we go into overtime, shit gets weird. Oh, shit gets weird when we go into overtime. But, uh, anyway, who's ready to play some ball? I'm ready to play some ball, and I gotta say, the most surprising thing to me about this ball game. Is that the blood's not pink? <laughs> we'll get more of that later. But play ball! <laughs> oh, man. Alright. So. I apologize in advance. I'm going to be rolling through every single person that we're going to be talking about today before we discuss anyone. Oh my god, we're doing it all at once? Oh, we're fucking doing it all at once. Not even like two sections things we're just doing? No! Okay. Nope. You're going to need a little refresher? When we a- when we actually discuss, the ki- when we do discussions, it's going to be more split up into the into chunks to make it a tiny bit easier. Uh, but I'm going to introduce everybody right off the fucking bat. All right, Steph, th- the first pitch is yours, and then the subsequent 25 other pitches <laughs> are immediately yours. You got. I'm hitting a lot of balls today. No, you're not hitting balls. You're tossing the balls. You're pitching. The pitcher pitches the ball. So it what you're telling me is I'm bad at pitching. You that I even... keep hitting that. Pe- that the people on the plate keep hitting balls. I'm not gonna let you walk on that one. So either way, throw your shot. <sighs> throw all your subsequent shots, and then let's get this on the roll. Don't fuck up. Don't fuck up. Thanks. No pressure. And and shut the fuck up. <laughs> anyway. Alright, so we're going to go through everybody who's involved in this cast that we're going to be talking about, including staff uh, and any credits that I previously have had before we just dive into the show proper and just have a general discussion about the performances and everything. So, starting off, uh, going through who is on staff for this one, our coaches, uh, so to speak. We have our ADR director, who is Marissa Lenti, who has directed other series such as Adachi and Shimamura, Kageki Shoujo, and Bananya. We have uh, a team of assistant directors. There's Amberly Connors, who's assistant director for Arte, Dragon Ghost House Hunting, and Show by Rock Stars. We have Mike Haimoto, who has also been the assistant director for A Couple of Cuckoos, Prince, the new dub of Prince of Tennis, and is one of the directors of Vinland Saga, the Sentai version. We have Natalie Van Sistine, who is also assistant directed on shows such as Show by Rock Stars. She has primarily been more working on the engineering front, but this Show by Rock Stars and this are the only two assistant directing credits I could find. And then our last assistant director is Damon Mills, who has helped on the directing front with so- series such as Actors, Songs, Connection, Kona Oto Tomare, Sounds of Life, and Sleepy Princess in the Demon Castle. As for our script writer for this show, <coughs> we have... <coughs> excuse me. 
As for our scriptwriter for this show, we have the one, the only, Mr. J. Michael Tatum, who has written for shows such as Akka, Thirteen Territory Inspection Department, The Morose Mononokian, and probably the only crossover, because lo and behold, if y'all didn't know, Tribe Nine is from the same creators as the Daigon Rampa franchise, as well as Akudama Drive. J. Michael Tatum wrote the script for Daigon Rampa the Animation. He is the only crossover that we have seen so far between all three of these different series. You did a great job. Take a little quick sig before going on to the next round. You make a good point. Alright. <laughs> as for... Or massive cast of characters. Because this is a massive cast of characters. And it was difficult to narrow th things down. So if we do not cover your favorite character of the night, I apologize. Um, so we had to make some cuts. <sighs> it was we difficult. had to make some cuts from the starting roster. It was difficult to make cuts. Had to trade a couple of players and all that. Got an A team and a B team. <laughs> mm -hmm. Anyway, so... We have Yui Kamaki, who is uh, a member of the Chiyoda tribe. She works under um, Ojiro and uh, our other, our actual head of the Otari clan, um, who is Michael Sorek, but he dies, and we're not talking about him, so I'm sorry. Also, spoiler warning for the entirety of Tribe 9. <laughs> That's at the beginning of the... F Never mind. That's midway, but, uh, yeah, but Yui has some ulterior motives along the way, and uh, she's kind of a little nutty. A little? Uh, <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, may I offer this advice to you? Do not stick your dick in crazy. That, that sure isn't going to stop one of our characters, for sure. <laughs> Fair. Alright, Yui Kamaki is voiced by our one of our assistant ADR directors, Amberly Connors, uh, who has voiced characters such as Peak Finger in Attack on Titan, uh, Sachiko Juraku in Kakegurui Twin, and Shoko Komi in Komi Can't Communicate. We have... We have, we're, we have two members of the... Frig. Uh, Which tribe are they? The... Yeah. Setagaya? No, not Setagaya. Setagaya. It's uh, Hanafuda and Yajirobe. Oh, look uh, it up. Oh, God. Mal has nothing. Of course Mal has nothing. Mal uh, never has anything. Hanafuda, Sakura. Anyways, keep going! Anyway, these two um, are a fun little tribe, kind of like acting as mentors, but also snarky mentors. Especially, Hana, we have Hanafuda Sakura, uh, who ends up <laughs> unwillingly becoming Taiga's mentor partway through the show. Taito tribe. Taito tribe, thank you. They are members of the Taito tribe. And then we also have Yajirobe uh, Ueno, or Yaji for short. Uh, who is also part of the Taito tribe. As Yaji, we have Tom Laughlin, who has voiced characters such as I Am Going to Die, uh, Yomo Suzaka in The Vampire Dies in No Time, and uh, he's also had minor roles in Dragon Ghost House Hunting uh, and Attack on Titan Lost Girls. Um, this is probably the second named character for Tom Laughlin, that, as far as I'm aware of. As for Hanafuda Sakura, uh, we have Cameron Nickhead, uh, I think it's Ka it's Cameron Nakad. Yeah. Cameron Nakad, thank you. Uh, who is voice character? Whose only other 
uh, named character that he's voiced previously is Tadanori Sanbei in Gleepnir, but he's also um, done smaller minor roles in Arte and Stink Bomb, to name a few. Then we have uh, whoever fuck this tribe is. On it, on it, on it. I've just pulled the wiki up and I'm winging this as I go along. I know, I appreciate you. Uh, Adachi, okay, Ota uh, tribe. Ota. We have three members of the Ota tribe uh, who just love causing mischief and chaos. Oh my god, I just realized. Say the actor's name. Okay. So, as our, we have three members we're going to talk about from the Ota tribe. As Kiyoshiro Hanida, we have Zack Aguilar, who has voiced characters such as Tanjiro Kamido in Demon Slayer, Genos in One Punch Man, and Nasa in Tonikawa Over the Moon for you. God damn it, Lenti, you don't even know you did this. You made Zack Aguilar part of the fucking Ota tribe. What the fuck does that mean? Ota! From I, the Somnium Files! Uh... Fuck! Uh... Yes, go on. No! That's no! God over my head. <laughs> Oh no, it took me a second to realize. Fuck. Uh, that was on purpose. No, ladies I and gentlemen, if you need context, go watch our Dub Talk Gaming channel. You you'll yes. catch up to speed. Oh yeah. Ota sucks, but Zach Aguilar's fantastic playing Ota. Anyways. Anyways. Continue. As Inoki Yuki Gaia, um, the female the only female, really, for the Ota tribe. We have Kaylee Mills, who has voiced characters such as Alicia in Full Dive, Amelia in ReZero, and Clara Valak in Welcome to Demon School, Irma-kun. Hey. And as our leader of the Ota tribe, Fucho Sonoda, uh, Mr. Chaos Man himself, we have Samuel, Samuel Drake, whose only other named character that I could find uh, with Sochiro Kamui in Full Dive. He's also done minor roles in Miraco-chan and Taiso Otome Fairy Tale. And then we have two members of... Hang on. Uh, Adachi, I think. The Adachi tribe. Yeah, we have two members of the Adachi tribe. Yeah, I'm just keeping this Wikipedia who, who, open. Who, which, who are essentially... Um, what if... Greased up biker guy. What if a greased up biker game became a baseball team? <laughs> Basically, this is the Mondo Owada gang. Yes, actually, uh, we're only going to be discussing two of them. Uh, as Ronkichi Umeda, uh, who, as I would probably describe as a slithering little snake, because why the fuck not? Uh, Mark Allen Jr., um, who voices characters such as Ukiyo Sionji in Dr. Stone, Sota Kazuma in My Senpai is Annoying, and Nazumi in SSSS Dinazenon. He's basically, and as the ring, he's basically huh? the Toko Fukawa of the tribe. That's the best way he I can He literally is kind the of Fukawa yes. of the tribe. He yeah. really is. He's got the tongue and everything. Alright, and as the leader... Ain't that kicking the, the dick. Yeah, oh, yeah. As the leader of the Adachi tribe, Hakutaro Sanju, uh, we have Gianni Machigrano, who you would know as characters like Leo in Arte, Yohei Umi Umino in Prince of Tennis 2, and the Minotaur in Sleepy Prin Princess and the Demon Castle. Pleasure to be talking about you again, Gianni. Alright, so now we have... Um, essentially the rest of the, this group of, the rest of these characters I gotta introduce is our wonderful lead tribe, the Minato tribe, plus our main antagonist. Uh, the Chiyoda tribe. Yeah. Or the members of the Chiyoda tribe. Well, what, one, one and a half no, it's members mostly, of the Chiyoda tribe. 
Uh, no, it's... Well, okay, kind of. Hey, he w- defected. Anyway. It's a third um, act twist. Anyway. <laughs> third act. He defected from Chiyota and joined Minato to defect from Minato and go back to Chiyota. That he has was- to be with his boyfriend, all right? <laughs> Dick was too good, man. Dick was too good. <laughs> anyway. <sighs> anyway. So, our main antagonist of the entirety of the show would be one Ojiro Otari, um, <laughs> who basically wants to, it's the strong will survive, battle of the strongest, that's all that matters to him. Unrelated, uh, the song Bring Me to Life is now 19 years old. I was thinking about that song just yesterday. Nice. I haven't heard that song in ages. But anyway! What I'm saying is Ojiro Otari is the embodiment of edgy scene music from the mid-2000s. Music is actually a very fun segue for this. So, the person who's playing Ojiro Otari is actually Corpse's husband himself. Corpse has no anime credits to his name. However, you would most prominently know him as a musician and a YouTuber. Choke him um, like a head, bunch of wall head. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yes, surprise, surprise. Uh, but we'll get into much more of that later. Uh, now, as for the rest of them, now, as for our wonderful Minotaur tribe, we have the quadruplets Ichiro, Jiro, uh, Sabaru, and Shiro, all of which are voiced by Joshua Waters, who has voiced characters uh, such as Ishida in Ishida and Asakura, Yaki Shizusumi in Given, and uh, Yoshikazu Miyano in Sasaki and Miyano. As for. <laughs> oh, snarky little shit, Santaromita. We have Kevin Thuwell, uh, who has voiced characters such as Chisai Osen, as well as Rui Kino uh, in 86, Poseidon in Sleepy Princess in the Demon Castle, and he was recently announced uh, f- at the time of this recording, and the new dub recently started for this, as Naoya Mukai in Girlfriend Girlfriend, which is his first lead. Good for him. Uh, as Minami Daimon, a uh, Monami Daimon, who is basically this big, lovable, big, lovable guy in what if world. what if a giant 12 foot snorlax hamster plushie was a fan of the chicago cubs <laughs> oh boy uh that would be one brendan blaber who has voiced characters such as combat agent six and combatants will be dispatched uh masato hanazawa and sasaki miyano and aka in wonder egg priority as Saori Arusigawa, who is the catcher for the team and ends up being the captain of the team uh, a few episodes in for reasons that we will get into. Uh, we have Brittany Karbowski, who has voiced characters such as Eddie in Dan- Angels of Death, Karen Tendo in Gamers, and Black Star in Soul Eater. Now, the reason why Brittany ends up being the team captain uh, is because of this stupid motherfucker. Well, he's not stupid, it's just sad. Uh, Shun Kamiya! I mean, he can be stupid, too. <laughs> he can be. Uh, we have Shun Kamiya, who is, at the beginning of the show, uh, the captain of the Minato tribe, its leader. Um, very, very strong player. Uh, but he only lasts a few episodes because he kind of bites it very early on, and it made me sad. He's got terminal tragic anime boy disease. Thanks, Ojiro. Anyway, uh, Shun is voiced by Jacob Hopkins. Uh, you would know him primarily as Shuichiro Oishi in Prince of Tennis, the new dub for that. Fushi in To Your Eternity. Say it. Say it. Say it. Fucking say it. 
Fucking say it. Spit out the name. Spit out the name. Say it. Say it. Say it. Say it. Say it. Say it. And he's also Gumball Watterson in the amazing world of Gumball. Specifically, the second voice of Gumball Watterson, because there was actually a couple of them, because children tend to hit puberty. He's also the baseball guy in Vampire Dice in no time. I hate Gumball. Gumball is a great show. You're just fucking mean. You're just mean. It's such a good show. I hate Gumball. It's so good. So So It's such a good show. It's such a good mix of animation and all that. It's really funny. No, I hate it. So are you glad the movie got canceled then? No, shut the... Okay. (laughs) No, shut the fuck up. That movie didn't get canceled, but I'm... Okay. Okay, we are not even going to go into the whole fuckery that is <laughs> anyway, Warner Bros. Discovery thing. I fucking hate it so boys, fucking much. Boys, boys. Alright, now y'all are on equal ground now. So. <laughs> now, now, boys. Cool, we have three characters to get through, and then we'll start debating shit. Uh, we have Kazuki Aoyama, who ends up coming in after Shun's death uh, to kind of help, quote-unquote, the Minato tribe. He's shiny, Shun. He's shiny, Shun. <laughs> Gone. Uh, but we do find out that he has ulterior motives because of his relationship to Ojiro. Relationship in uh, parentheses. Yeah. Uh, Kazuki is voiced by John Van Doren, who has really only a couple of credits to his name. This is his first named character. The only other credits I could find for John are minor roles in Dragon Ghost House Hunting and Full Dive. As Taiga, our snarky overseas, like, energetic little dumbass um, that everybody loves because Tyga can't do no wrong. <laughs> uh, we have Philip Sacramento, uh, who has voiced characters such as y- Yukio Kurobe in Prince of Tennis 2, and also in minor roles for series such as Dragon Ghost House Hunting and Kageki Shoujo. And finally, we have essentially our lead character of the show. We have Haru Shiragane, who is voiced by Casey Mangelo, uh, who is voiced characters such as, I am going to mispronounce that. Theoto Rika. Thank you. Uh, in 86, show Suzuki in Mob Psycho 100 and Shinji Ikari in the Netflix version of Neon Genesis Evangelion. <laughs> now that I've gotten all that out of the way, that's fine. Um... So, so how I kind of want to do this. First things first, take a fucking drink. You uh, just read all of that. You need to. You're right. So how I kind of want to do this uh, is essentially is going to be three sections that we spend some time on. I'm thinking maybe 20, 30 minutes on the staffing and then 30 to 45 on the two groups of characters um, being... Uh, essentially, Gianni through Amber, and then Casey through Corpse, if that makes sense. That makes sense to me. Okay. So, why don't we start off with the directing and the writing on the show. Um, how do we feel? How do we feel about the directing and writing on the show here? <laughs> well, first things first, uh, we should establish this is indeed a sound cadence studio production. Yes. To That's the home team. a T. So, I need to... I need to confess... Oh, I know where this is going! I need to confess how this whole situation started for me and why I absolutely felt I had to be on this episode. So... Plenty pull the fast one. So, at some point around January, Marissa... One, Marissa Lenti, our director and basically the, uh... 
creative lead and heart of this project mentioned on Twitter that they had finished Danganronpa V3. Mm-hmm. And there are very few actual people who have industry credentials that I could just go into their DMs when they post something like that and be like, yo, we got you got 30 minutes to kill? I want to fucking talk about that. <laughs> Marissa Lenti is like the only one. So I picked their brain a little bit about the ending, about Dong and Ropa and all that jazz. And then I was also talking about trying to recommend Lenti I the Somnium Files, as well as also talking to Marissa about things the creative heads of the Danganropa were doing after Danganropa, notably starting uh, 2Q Studios, working on the anime of Akudama Drive. There was a uh, new anime they were working on based off of a mobile game called Tribe 9, in which uh, Funimation was doing a co-production of that, and that was just running this season, so that, that might be something worth checking out. And just kind of explaining to Marissa Lenti about the stuff that this team was doing, including Tribe 9. And maybe two weeks later, <laughs> the news came out that Tribe 9 was not only getting dubbed, but Marissa Lenti was the fucking lead director on the dub. So I was losing my shit, and I was basically going, Lenti, Lenti, you fucking knew! You were listening to me just explain to you what Tribe 9 was as you were already looking at your casting sheets and scheduling recording sessions for Tribe 9. You fucking fold a fast one on me and you just pulled your fucking Kokichi reaction sprite on me laughing maniacally and blew my ass up on Twitter for all the world to see. You are spitting, buddy. Holy Uh, jeebus. God bless his face. It was very funny. It was very funny. I acknowledge it was extremely funny, but I am still incredibly upset that I just explained to you what Tribe 9 was to you directly, and you're like, uh-huh, hmm, that's 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 pretty interesting. All right. Um, Didn't Lenti g- tell you that they were, like, on a plane or something, and they watched, they got to watch the whole show or something like that? Um... I will tell you more about that in a little bit, but uh, some information I I got. This is a Funimation Mm -hmm. Co-Pro. They actually got the entire show ahead of time before broadcast. And I think uh, Lenti just watched the entirety in Japanese over a weekend and knew everything that was coming. And was actually, (laughs) instead of doing the weekly simuldum method, was basically able to plan with things ahead of time oh and some of the fun stories that i've heard oh boy um anyway aside from uh, outing yourself <laughs> as Mar- as the one that marissa fucking tricked <laughs> how do we feel about the directing writing <laughs> oh director no, is director is fantastic i will admit every time i talk about letty project i seem to have my foot in my mouth with regards to certain things. So thank you, Andrew, for uh, doing that whole spiel because, trust me, they know what they're doing when, they cu- when it comes to this kind of project. But what, oh, I think, yeah. what I think really makes it stand out is not only the direction, but the casting and the dialogue too. Mm-hmm. Especially the dialogue because one thing I've learned is, well, of course, you need some baseball terms to go with baseball anime and you got Mike Haimoto who 
Didn't you say, Andrew, didn't you say you used to be a professional baseball player or something like that? The vibe I've gotten is that I think he played baseball in college and in uh, regards to inserting a number of baseball terminology and references to IRL baseball teams and terminology, uh, Mike uh, threw in some suggestions and sprinkled it into the dub when in the Japanese there basically was none. Yeah, because I remember I tried to get him to slip the uh, it's about the Mets meme in there without actually saying it to him because, you know. But I, I, yeah, I appreciate the dialogue all the same. And it was very funny when it counts. It was very uh, heart-wrenching when it counted, too. Though I will say everybody, every director did a very good job on this dub, especially uh, Marissa and Mike. But I will say, though, I got to give it to Tater because... <laughs> I realize that I sometimes miss Tatum scripts, especially when they're fun ones like this. This is this is very much a show that lives and dies on the goofy chemistry of the entire cast and crew. Which, this is a cast of extremely, extremely goofy characters. It's basically... It's dramatic, but you're also kind of living in, like, sci-fi Looney Tunes logic most of the time. Because you've got some stupid bullshit where it's like, sci-fi robot shenanigans. Also, this guy lights a baseball on fire and doesn't burn his fucking hands off. <laughs> we also got the strong, the strong will call the weak from the fucking edgelord Darth Vader Terminator yes! man. Who is making all the 15-year-old Hot Topic <laughs> girls going, oh my, oh, spicy. Oh, it's like, God. And then you've just got so many other dumb cartoon shenanigans and all that. But this cast lives and breathes by the chemistry and the script. And there's a lot of really fun lines of dialogue either yeah. in the script or we're ad-libbed with the team throwing it in there. And it just works. I am a fan of the script. Because of the fucking trash talking that happens throughout the whole course of the show. Yeah. The trash talking is not only creative because this is extreme baseball we're talking about here, but it is some of the funniest shit you will ever hear. For example, like, the, so, <laughs> example, a lot of dialogue from Taiga tends to be rather hilarious, right? Son of a whore! Language. <laughs> So, yeah, exactly. Um, I think he's the one who has the line in episode two as well that extreme baseball is going to be my slut. Um, <laughs> and then you have some other fun gems, like someone threw a thanks I hated in there at one point. There was a you Scarface have... reference in, uh, in the later yeah. episodes. Also, speaking of making sure you don't stick your dick in crazy, someone has a line in episode eight, I forget who it is, of don't stick it in crazy. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that was so that was uh, might be, Santaro. Might be Santaro. Um, yeah, there's probably. another one. There's another line. I rip off your face and piss down your throat. Oh, that was so good. That was I was gonna say that for the bottomy section, but yeah, that was pretty good. Oh yeah, that was a good one. So most of my actual script praises, I would say for a lot of the actual characters themselves, and we'll get to. What I will give props to is. The insertion of references in regards to baseball, yeah. including talking about, uh, like, an actual... So, what was it? Murderer's... The thing that I want to... Murderer's Row? Murderer's Murder Row, Row, which was an actual reference to the... Yan Hang on. I think that was regarded the New York Yankees, wasn't it? 
Yep. It was. Basically, once Ojiro takes power, uh, Ojiro basically is doing his decree for the world and s- describes that the situation is like Murderer's Row. Ah. And that is a reference to the Yankees in the 1920 when they had six of the best hitters of all time on the team at one time. Time, which I found out that wasn't a suggestion from Mike Himoto. That was a suggestion from Marissa Lenti's dad. Nice. And it worked. It worked pretty well in that moment. But what I will give uh, one Marissa Lenti props for is the ultimate scene. (laughs) Yes. So that was not in the Japanese at all, and they did that whole thing where it's like somebody is the best at something. Mm-hmm. You are uh, the ultimate normal guy, the ultimate pinch hitter, the ultimate monomy. Yes. And I'm the ultimate lover of XB. And I just, I, I just, mwah, chef's kiss. That's a fucking perfect moment to work in. The ultimate terminology, which was in the Danganronpa games, but not oh, yeah. in the Danganronpa anime. It's it's a fun it's a fun little like callback to the Danganronpa creators, which is a really nice touch. Um, but no, the like oh my god, the casting, the directing, yeah. it's this show is so much fun to watch. Uh, yeah, some of the shit is batshit insane. Yeah, <laughs> batshit. Uh, yeah. yeah. I will say, though, I did, like, there was not only one, but two references to Joe DiMaggio, but not only that, I forgot to mention something about the casting. This casting yeah. is so goddamn elevated, they put actual cats in here again. Yes, Moxie! Okay. Got Moxie Letty, uh, Beeper, and Buko Bennett, got Cinnamon, got oh, Nishi. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, I actually learned the fun thing about the whole Moxie deal with this. Yeah. So, so Marissa's cat Moxie is actually a character in the show called Nekamaru, uh, which, God, is the cat, which, which is the cat that belongs to the Minato tribe. Which is its own fucking Danganronpa reference to yes. in Nekamaru Nidai. Yes, but anyway, what, oh, what did you learn? I'm so, here's the, fun, here's the fun thing about Moxie. I discovered... It's less accurate to say that Moxie was being recorded week to week, and more accurate to say Moxie is a Vocaloid. Yeah. Uh, What do I mean by Moxie is a Vocaloid? I mean, at some point, Marissa just stuck the cat in a booth for several hours with a microphone and has just a go-to sound, like, basically sound library of all a bunch of noises and sound effects that Moxie has made in the past, gives them to engineers as like, here, make some magic happen. Pretty much. Oh, which was something I genuinely didn't know of. I just thought that Lenti was just actually recording Moxie week to week. But honestly, that makes a lot more sense and saves a lot more time in hindsight. To get the well, I mean, considering they got the whole show in advance, might as well. I just hope like, Moxie got her union cuddles after that. Oh, union cuddles. I love that. That's amazing. Anyways, on the one hand, uh, like, I think it's just a general audio audio library, but that's still really cool to learn about that. It's basically Moxie is a vocaloid, is a vocaloid cat actor, which what yeah. I'm saying is... The mic did not pick up anything. Like we that. can totally get Ash into anime. I I L- heard half Lenti, of that. Lenti, Lenti, so. 
<laughs> Andrew's just saying that we could get our cat Ash into into voice acting in anime. Hey, Lendy, do you need an extra cat? Mox, Moxie's great, but Moxie cannot monopolize the cat acting industry. Okay. <laughs> That's why you have Beeper and the others too. You forgot there's another handful of cats that were involved. But anyway. I gotta not be one of those helicopter parents that, like, steal their kids' money when they get into Hollywood. <laughs> anyway. Um, I think my one minor drawback in terms of the show when it comes to, like, directing, writing, all that fun stuff actually might be an engineering thing. But there is a very logical explanation for it, and I completely understand. It's the filter that's used on Ojiro when he's wearing his mask. I think I know what happened because I read this somewhere. Uh, apparently, yeah. when they uh, they gave Corpse the audition, he has uh, in his voice recording software a filter that allows him to sound like his mic. His mic was like a, one of those Fisher Price mics. But I think yeah. in yes. that case, it's kind of needed because he has on like a heavy. Gauge kind of mask as opposed to like Fucha who has like ass mask. So it is extremely heavy. It is extremely heavy, and it can sometimes be a minor detriment, I think, to Corpse's performance because Corpse's tone of voice is a naturally deep bass baritone voice. And so while the while the filtering does make a lot of sense, obviously because he's wearing the mask, um, it's finding that right balance. <laughs> with the filtering, unfortunately, to yeah. try and make sure he is still, you go, he's still, you're still able to understand what he said. They had to take multiple passes to yeah. even get the filter right because just a lot of the normal ones literally make him unintelligible. Yeah. So I imagine it's, it, it's I one imagine of those things. It's a difficult thing to figure out. It's a damned if you do, damned if you don't. Mm -hmm. Which they did make it work. They made it work, but, but I think that must have been a bitch. Yeah. It, it definitely worked, I think, later on, but when it was first starting out and trying to figure out where it was going and how to adjust it, it, it made it a little bit tough um, for Corpse's performance to come through in those moments. Especially, but they kind of nailed, but they nailed it a lot better later on. But yeah, but I think that's my only complaint in terms of like the technical aspects of all this. But uh, I completely understand why. <laughs> but without a doubt, the entire team in the uh, in the dugout was firing on all cylinders and doing a pretty damn good job. Thanks, coach. Also, the other fun thing was discovering, um, almost e pretty much everybody in the cast, there is no overlap from any of the game or anime dubs of Danganronpa. Or Akadama Drive. Or Akadama Drive, yeah. That's, that's why I said earlier when I was introducing the staff that Tatum is the only person to cross over from another uh, franchise that the Danganronpa team has worked on. Everybody else has not worked on any Daiganrampas or Akudama. So they're all fresh to uh, the wacky carnage and murder. Yep. Yeah, basically. Though, honestly, this is a shockingly bloodless show for the most part. <laughs> uh. I'm, I'm kind of convinced... I'm kind of convinced that Shun is, like, basically made of glass bones. Because <laughs> uh, there, are, there are so many other characters that have survived way worse by the end. I have to give a shout-out to, um... We're not talking about him. I need to give a shout-out to Octopimp's character in particular, a.k.a. one Alexander Gross, who ah! is basically playing Fat Togami. 
but like as like a rich entrepreneur with like bikini babes he steps on. Oh my god! Who <laughs> literally gets a bomb bombed in the face. Yeah, what the fuck? And, and lives. How? That's what I'm wondering. How the fuck? I mean, he has the money. He can do reconstructive surgery. Yes, but that's bullshit. He survived a bomb to the face. Gianni's team got fucking murked. Like, I'm pretty sure um, Samuel uh, Drake, uh, that dude also got bombed in the face. Zach Aguilar got bombed in the face. Several characters literally explode and walk and show up in an episode or two are like, hey, I'm perfectly fine. How did Fuda got shot in the same episode and he still managed to live? And he's fine! Shoot a bitch! He's made of glass! For for a show from the the creators of Daigon Rampa, the body count is very slim. It's two. I think think it's Shun and 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 it's Shun and Michael Sorek's character. That's it. That's That's all we got. Shun was born with glass bones. Every day it hurts for him to walk. (laughs) I think that's That's one of my drawbacks about getting to that with final thoughts. I will say, Uh, though, this... this Not enough carnage for you. Well, more than that. I will say, though, the staff did very well in in regards to Marissa's dad and Mike. Y'all are my hero when it comes to baseball puns. (laughs) Uh, For sure, the baseball puns are a nice touch. I, without whatever my opinions of the show itself, you can tell that the cast, the the crew was having the fucking time of their life, Hell and they yeah. just sound like they're having fun, and it shows in the final mm-hmm. product. Oh yeah, it definitely shows. Mm-hmm. All right, is there any other thoughts mm-hmm. for uh, directing, writing, nothing? All right, time Ooh, for hold our on, ne- Jamal didn't answer. You rushed in, goddamn. Any other thoughts, Jamal? Do you have anything else? Like I said, Mike's my hero. I know he'll get the pun. <laughs> Alright. So, now we're going to dive into these freaking characters. So, the be- I'm thinking the best way to do it is to have them in two separate sections, and ki- but still lump them together and just have a general discussion on them. Um, so, let's talk about... Gianni Machagrano, Mark Allen, Samuel Drake, Kaylee Mills, Zach Aguilar... Cameron Nikad, Tom Laughlin, and Amberly Connors. Um, so, how do we want to start? All right. Do you want to stick it in crazy, or do you want to stick it in crazy, or do you want to <laughs> stick it in crazy, or do you want to light your hand on fire, <laughs> or do you want to light gasoline with crazy, <laughs> or do you want to stick it in a fucking himbo who's surrounded by babes but is gay for his life partner Yaji? <laughs> Either way, somebody's sticking it in somewhere. So Ooh. who's gonna stick it in first? Oh, let's go with Amber. I'm willing let's to stick with, it in with Stitch. Let's go with Amber. Because Yui is goddamn. I, <laughs> first of all, Yui has legs for days. Legs She for... does not skip leg day, ladies and gentlemen. Legs you, for Yui, Yui literally has step on me energy. Yes! She she has... I love the fact that, uh... Uh... Ha... Uh, ha... Haji? No. Hanafuda. Hanafuda. Is it Hanafuda? I love that he, he compliments her gams. Yes. And he's like, I think I'm in love. <laughs> I think I'm yeah. And all I can think is, if I love the kind of woman who will just actually fucking murder me. 
Oh, that goddamn video that Gianni did? Yep. Oh my god. <laughs> yes. What, you know what would have made it even better? Is it if, how the food was Gianni? If either Hanafuda was Gianni or Gianni was the one who got to say something like that. I'll be but honest. It's not, it's not Hakutoro's character. I don't think Gianni <laughs> is horny. I think Gianni's just dumb. Hakutoro <laughs> yeah. is fucking dumbass. Oh, uh, anyway. But speaking of horny, holy shit is Yui uh, dangerous and fucking fine and also kicks the ball. She's got very... Uh, She's got very femme fatale Fujiko Mine energy going for her, and Amber absolutely conveys yes. it extremely well. Oh, yes. For the people who don't understand the whole leg day situation, so... She kicks the fucking ball! Let me explain! She, she's got a so, gas the, uniform with jet boots, let's put it that way. Pretty much. So, uh, the last two episodes of the show, um, the Minato tribe is challenged by Chioda, um to essentially, like, be eliminated and all this fun shit after Ojiro takes power. And Yui decides, you're not good enough to play Ojiro. You're going to play me in this team first. And so Yui has this, like, sci-fi catsuit thing that she has where she's able to kick and use, like, use her legs to pitch and hit the ball and then also run to, to the bases. Like, it's fucking crazy. She's got very, like, sci-fi, um, like, ghost-in-the-shell catsuit energy going kind for of. her. I like how you described it as, um, a femme fatale kind of sounding character, because I think that works. Um, obviously, you is a bit crazier than that, but Amber, it's a very subtle crazy. She Amber's puts so the good at sounding it, so bad. Yeah. No, 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 no. Amber is so good at being so bad. Yes. Yeah, she and I can guarantee several people are down bad for her. What'd you say, Jamal? She puts the fatale in Femme Fatale. Oh, hell yeah, she does. I think it sounded great. Yeah. I loved it. Bitch move to pull a gun, though. That's what we well, call, ladies and gentlemen. That's what we call, ladies and gentlemen, a sore loser. Well, to be fair, Yui was kind of a bitch at the beginning. I, you, can, you can see she had an ulterior motive. Like, as soon as... Ojiro's plot, uh, plot twist, Ojiro murders his mentor, that uh, right. she kind of wills him into becoming Lord Ojiro. So you oh, know, yeah. So you kind of realize she, something's up with her. Yeah, she, she wants something, definitely. And that's the thing. Oh, yeah. Every time I hear Amber play like a, a red-haired or a pink-haired type of character, it's always going to be something crazy. <laughs> yes. But like, yeah, her having all, Yui having ulterior motives is ends up being very prevalent in the last episode where Ojiro's like, bitch, you're banished. Get the fuck out of my sight for your horse shit. And she decides, oh, okay, I'm gonna, you can't stop me then. And she decides to make Chiyota Castle, this floating city in the sky, fall down on top of Neo Tokyo for funsies. She decides to bring down the sky for- She brought down the house. She literally did. She literally brought down the house. But no, Amber is uh, delightful as uh, this uh, dangerous femme. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's talk about the Taito tribe. So uh, Hanafuda and Yaji. I, was... I love Cameron as Hanafuda. Yeah. He's such a fucking player. 
And he sounds so suave mm-hmm. and cool, but with the right amount of, like, oh, you're a fucking horny dumbass who is absolutely gay for Yachi. <laughs> Can I just say, my favorite scene of his is when uh, Tiger barges back into the uh, the house, and he's dressed in women's garb, and how oh, the yeah, I was gonna drop kicks him. Okay, I was gonna save that for way later, actually, because I, I need to give props to one of my favorite moments from Taiga, and actually a pretty fun little uh, addition to the anime itself. Specifically, just the fact that Taiga, in all of his dumbassery, decides, because they're in a brothel, mm-hmm. they basically hang out in a brothel all day, he decides to dress up as one of the brothel girls, and in the dub says, I'm dressed as one of your tribe, so now you have to teach me, yes. is absolutely hilarious, and one of the best line reads in the show, just, t- I am of the opinion that Taiga does not know what sex is. Oh, Tyga's idiot sexual, 100%. The, I think the man is a total ace, but I oh, also yeah. think he is too Welcome stu- to the team, Tyga! <laughs> I think he's too stupid to understand what sex is. Oh, he's so fucking And it's dumb. so great. And the fun thing about learning about that line in particular is that was actually an interesting little addition to the anime dub in particular. Because mm-hmm. originally in the Japanese, it was a little uh, grosser. Specifically in that, for some reason, Taiga decides to cross-dress and is like, I'm a woman now. You have to pay attention to me. Oh, boy. Which is a little more... So, I think, not only is this more in line with Taiga's character, that is just a that is just a better, funnier, moment. more fitting yeah. moment. Honestly, yeah, the whole, I'm part of your tribe, you have to teach me now, is... He's such a nice little character-building moment for Taiga, and oh, yeah. an absolutely very welcome addition to this dub in particular. But anyway, back to Cameron and Tom. Oh, Cameron's so fucking good. Cameron's He's, awesome. I, I, I have been following Cameron's work for years because I was big in, like, the Halo machinima communities, and I'm very familiar with his work really? from, like, old-school machinima work in the past. Oh, shit, okay. I'm very happy to see he's gotten professional work, and I'm happy to see him pop up in some anime like this, because he is delightful. This he- is my first time hearing both Cameron and Tom uh, in dubs, because, again, these two don't really have a lot of credits. They've only had at least one other named credit apiece, and then the rest are just minor roles. Um it- if I had to describe Tom's Yajirobe in particular, Yaji. in that, so these two basically are occupying the same brain cell yeah. and just acquiring different tasks. Mm-hmm. Yaji is the brain, Hanafuda is the brawn, and they complement each other, and it's like... Yeah. Let, let's... That's, that's an exact note I have, that Cameron and Tom are a delightful pair, because with Cameron is the gruff yeah. brawn and Tom is the intellectual. Yeah. Here's, yeah. What, here's, the, here's how I think this relationship works. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to assume Yaji is of the ace demi variety, and Hanafuda is the horny bisexual bastard with a libido that just won't quit. Yes! But Yaji is the uh, ultimate cuddler. 
Anyway, listen, all I know is listen. Hanafuda is a little spoon. Let's be real. <laughs> You're right. You're right, and you should say it. Hanafuda is the little spoon. Anyway, Jamal, sorry, <laughs> I had to say I, that. Yeah, I will say this about Tom though. He seems like he's having a laugh live with his character because Yaji loves to tease Hanafuda so much. Right. Oh, Yaji will poke fun at him, and especially at the moments where Hanafuda basically, like, does one of these, like, I told you so kind of moments, where it's like, yeah, he's he's not gonna fucking get this ball, he's not gonna fucking hit it. He played himself. <laughs> Hanafuda just plays himself, and Yaji's like, well, now you gotta do it, you gotta do it now. <laughs> I also love Tom's very snarky schemer like oh, personality yeah. like I love it. if he he's got like a nice little if he was another character or in another role this would be like a great secret shadow boss from behind the scenes or something Ooh, like that i like the sound of that like he's that you can tell he's the man with the plan but in this he's kind of just like the quiet observer who just kind of how do i describe this I'd almost say he's very Loki-esque in that he's kind of like a bit of... He feels like a trickster who wants to see how Mm. things are going to play out before he steps in. Huh, interesting. And I think Tom gets that across in his voice really well. And yeah, Cameron's just got this very big, tough, commanding voice. And also, he could just... He's strong enough to just hit a ball with a fucking pipe? Yes! Yeah. So the big thing with Hanafuda is he's known as, like, a really, really strong batter. And that's why um, Kazuki tells this to Taiga and tells Taiga, why don't you go see if you could train with him? Because Taiga can't hit a ball to save his fucking life. So he goes, he goes through this whole ordeal to make him train, to make Hanafuda train him, calling him Master and Sensei and all this fun stuff along the way. And, uh, yeah, Hanafuda is a goddamn because he can hit it with a goddamn pipe. Yes. But, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I really, really love the moments where Hanafuda essentially plays himself and Yaji just stares like, well, now, well, now you've done it. Now you got to do this. It's kind of amazing. But that's the only really... time you drop balls. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I apologize in advance. Because this is a show about fucking baseball, there's gonna be a lot of ball jokes happening tonight. If we, ha- if you're already an hour in, I'm sorry. You miss all the shots you don't swing for. God damn it. And a couple of characters swing in a lot of different directions. Oh, lordy. Anyway. It writes itself, okay? It, it does. Considering a certain line in the last episode, which we will get to later. Oh, we will. Which opened the floodgates. <laughs> um, anyway. Uh, anything else about uh, our wonderful Taito tribe members? I'm good. They complement each other really well. And, yeah, I, th- I think I'm of the opinion that the way it works is that uh, ha- Hanafuda is the... Um, bisexual with a crazy libido while they're in an re- open relationship and Yaji is a little more of the ace variety and he just he just gives the good snuggles and he's the one who <laughs> actually goes on dates with him. God damn it. Oh, lord. Anyways, you want, you want to talk about more romantic disasters? 
Oh, do we want to move on to the Ota tribe? I want to move on to... Oh, Jamal, you get to move on to the Ota tribe, or did well, you have anything well, else Well, magic for... would not be the word I would use to describe these people. Oh, Ota? The Ota tribe? Yeah. Okay. Oh, boy. So, the Ota tribe, that's going to be Samuel Drake, Kaylee Mills, and Zach Aguilar. See, only one of them is quote-unquote romantic, but it's in a way that I can only describe as, um... I Look, one has love, the other, the other two have bloodlust. Yeah, one just... Future just wants chaos. He says that a lot. He what? wants chaos. No, I'm gonna I'm gonna take this segment to segue into Anarchy in particular, because the way I would describe it is... Hey, what if Clara was Harley Quinn? Oh, God. Oh... My God, which is kind I of hate perfect. You, I hate you because you're right. They booed him for speaking the truth. Oh no, it's kind of a Harley Quinn type of thing. Oh no, you're right, and I hate it. <laughs> anyway, hey, Mister J, you want to play with me? <laughs> what? Well, what's the fucking line that she has? How do you like them apples, Benjamin Franklin? God. And of, of course, she's the one that drops a Scarface where yeah. she does the rocket launcher. It's like, say hello to my little friend. Yes. Uh, Kay- uh, Kaylee is a delightfully strange character where I feel like I want to see more of her just because she's kind of a trip. Mm-hmm. She has no real loyalty. She just finds Tyga hot. All the members of the Ota tribe don't really have loyalty to anyone, to be honest. They are, because the Ota tribe co- is presented at first as this, like, really poor, um, not well-off group of people who are who just can't really fend for themselves very well. But then you learn that's mostly a front because they just don't give a shit and will just, like, cause as much trouble and chaos as humanly feasible for them. Mm-hmm. Especially Fujo. So, but... No, I, I find even for the short presence she had, Anaki was a delightfully charming character, and one of the hardest laughs I had was handsome Shoujo Taiga, and it's like, oh, are, you yeah. go- are you gonna behave, or am I gonna have to put you in timeout? And then she's just like, yes, please. What? <laughs> I, think, I think one of my favorite things about Anaki is when she's infatuated with Taiga. I think she says something like a lines of "I would die for him," that kind of thing. Her voice just drops off a sudden. I was like, "Okay, yeah, I, I am no." She she specifically says something like, "I am not above committing a crime of passion." Yeah, yes. it's like she's got high high pitched and goofy, and then it drops very deep, yandere ish, and it's like, "Oh, that's so good." I don't think I've ever heard Kaylee like that before at all. Like, not yandere ish. No, <laughs> it's so fun. No, Kaylee is a goddamn delight. She, um, the tone of voice that's used reminds me of a much more calm Clara. That's the tone of voice. Because that is the Clara Valak voice. Just not as unhinged vocal-wise, if that makes sense. Um, I mean, Enoki as a character is rather unhinged. But, um, goddammit, Harley Quinn is a very, very accurate comparison and I hate it. God damn it. <laughs> the writing's on the wall. It is. That's and why the, the writing's look- written in blood. 
That's why the place looks like a mess. Yeah. That's why the place looks like a mess. Also, what the fuck is Hanada's deal? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So, if we're going to make 90s cartoon reference, Mm -hmm. let's just call... Let's just call him for what he really is. Okay. The star scream of the Ota tribe. Oh god. He's he keeps challenging the leader despite knowing he is so out of his element and he's willing to bend the knee at any moment yep. to appease him. Yep. Again, the members of the other tribe have no loyalty, not even to their captain. Yeah, other and than those... And he's such a bitch. Yeah. Hanada's such a little bitch boy. Hanada's a little bitch boy. He, he... How do I describe him? Alright, fuck it. We're get, I'm just gonna keep these innuendos going. He's the bratty bottom. Oh my god. I am not used to this exploit He He missed... Why? He misbehaves because he wants attention from Fucho, and he hopes Fucho will give him attention, and then call him a bad boy, and then take him to Pound Town, you know, as you do in Get baseball. Get the fuck out. He wants to kill him, man. Have you not been paying attention? <laughs> okay, Jamal, Stephanie, what? friends. Andrew, love of my life. Get the fuck out. I want you to be aware that murder is... Like, hate and lust are really similar emotions. And if you've seen a lot of media and fan fiction, there is a big overlap. There's a reason why people love the characters that hate each other and want them to fuck each other. So when This that, isn't what, even new. Was, so would that explain that group that followed behind him in that same episode? Like, you know, Hyde's just trying to stab him. Fucho beats him. That <laughs> Fucho beats him down. Then there's a whole group of his comrades behind him trying to beat him up. Are you telling me that's lust? What? Wait, what? So you know how um, yeah, well, Zack's character, when we first introduced him, tries to kill Fucho and that fails. But then the rest of the Ota tribe decide to kick Zack's ass. Yeah. Because he's a bitch. And it's 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 prison rules. It's fucking prison rules. Prison rules. rules. <laughs> oh no! It's prison uh, rules. Something seriously wrong with that image. I will explain to you later. Oh man! It, it, it's not the same feeling, Andrew. <laughs> Anyways, look, I'm do, I'm doing this bit. Zach does a very good job playing Hanada. He's a good little begrudging lackey to Fucho. Yeah. And I gotta say, I I know it wasn't intentional because I know Lenti and Co. have not played I, the Somnium Files, but I'm just sitting here thinking, oh my god, Zack's playing a member of the Ota tribe, and Ota fucking sucks. He sucks. He sucks so much. Zack is fantastic as Ota, but Ota sucks so Ota's, much. Ota and I, the Somnium Files is a piece of shit. Anyway... <laughs> Zach is, is Zach is very interesting. It's it ha, it's a slightly deeper tone than what most people associate Zach for, but yeah. it's distinguishable enough where the where at least like the trained ear in our case would still pick up on it. It's not it's not the deep genos level of One Punch Man, 
But it's also not a Tanjiro level of in Demon Slayer. It's set some. In, it's an interesting in between, and it also has a touch of this like rough and tumble kind of thing, considering the circumstances for his character, um, which makes a lot of sense. So it it also adds to that different tone of voice being at least distinguishable enough for you to know it is Zack, but also different enough to give the character a little bit more oomph to him, if that makes sense. I didn't even recognize mm-hmm. it was Zack at first, so... Oh, it took me... Uh, like, I, I, In all the years that we've been doing this, like, there are, f- there are slight quirks to a vocal performance or a tone of voice I've generally gotten used to and able to pick up quickly... For a person, Zach's was very easy to pick up, but it, it took me, like, maybe a solid minute. Um, like, it's one of those things where, it's like, it's a distinguishable vocal tone or vocal quirk um, that makes it... That, that I could pick up on fairly easily and be like, oh, that's this guy! But anyway, uh, do we want to talk about our Master of Chaos? Yeah. So... So Samuel Drake is Fucho. I'm gonna say this. Mm-hmm. This cast has introduced me to. It's given me a new appreciation for a couple of old favorites mm-hmm. actors I'm very familiar with, as well as introducing me to a handful of ones I am very unfamiliar with or I'm hearing for the very first time. Samuel Drake is one of those. Mm-hmm. I was blown away. By Samuel Drake's food show. Yeah. It is the exact level of lackadaisical, mm-hmm. we live in a society, chaos madman I was expecting. And he's very lazy and indifferent and kind of friendly at times where it's like, oh, that's a shame. Oh, well, no biggie. Eh, that could be fun. And it's low energy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then when he gets really into it, like the excitement, the rage, the chaotic thrill, the bloodlust, the murder boner, the, the everything murder boner. comes out. And Sam is so fucking impressive playing all these insanely complicated, yeah. chaotic sides of him. You you definitely get a, a really big feel for how, like... Subtly unhinged Fucho can get um, when the Ota tribe faces the Minato tribe about halfway through the show. Um, because Yui decides, oh, Kazuki's gonna try and start shit because there's history with Kazuki and Ojiro. I'm gonna have the Ota tribe assassinate him. And the Ota tribe decides to challenge the Minato tribe. Well, they don't try to challenge the Minato tribe to a game of XB. They originally try to blow up the fucking restaurant and kill Kazuki in the process, but then, uh, you know, the, um, the umpires were not having it, <laughs> so... They also yeah. kind of crushed their own guys, too, oh, as, like, yeah. a whoopsie-doodle, my whoopsie bad, tee-hee. Tee-hee. Did I do that? But, no, I agree, like, Samuel Drake is another one that I've never heard of before, um, and... It's when he's first there as Fucho, um, it's a rather it's subtle but kind of a monotone tone of voice to it. Um, and for me, 
because it is a new voice and especially a new actor that I haven't heard of before, um, it takes me a minute to kind of adjust to kind of get a, at least a little bit of a feel for not only the direction that they're going to go with the character and the performance, but also the actor themselves and the kind of vocal register um, or tone that they present themselves with. And then we get the unhinged Fucho who loves his fucking chaos and will blow himself up for no apparent reason just because he can. Okay, that was one of the hardest laughs where he's <laughs> like, fuck this game. I set all of these bombs to explode and I have a detonator. I don't know which <laughs> detonator this is for. This could kill you. This could kill me. I don't know. Press Let's the- press it. And then he blows up. Yup. I'm like, fuck off. That's so good. <laughs> yeah. Yep. That was so good. If it, was I had like, to- it was anticlimactic, but it was <coughs> fucking hilarious. If I had to describe him, Fucho is what if what if Nagito Komaida was more like the Joker? Oh shit! And I realized I, I realized it. watching this like today to spruce uh. up is that he's got fucking Komaida's like green jacket, and I'm like, oh my god, he's he very does. he's yeah. very Komaida. He's got he's got yeah, a little basically. bit of Komaida's bad luck, but <laughs> somebody else might have inherited a little bit of that too. You mean the uh, carbon copy of of um, Komida? We'll, we'll get into that, but I just Samuel Drake was probably one of the biggest, most pleasant surprises of the entirety of, uh, of Tribe Nine. Yeah, and yeah. I, honestly, one of my personal underrated favorites of the show. I, He's really, really good. I can agree with that. Yeah. What about you, Jamal? I will say it. It did take me a bit, but I did really like Samuel Drake's performance as Fucho because, for one thing, of course, like Ojo, he has our mask, but I think mm-hmm. that kind of enables him to, like, give his delivery a more natural tone because he doesn't have to worry about the flap. He does have to worry about the character's movements a bit because the character is kind of all over the place in terms of chaos. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. So he kind of has to match that energy a little. But I think he manages to nail that very well. And I will say, though, because I was kind of taken aback when this casting came out. Because when it was announced that it was Samuel Drake, me and Josh were like, Wait, this isn't a pseudonym, is it? Because we both thought it was an Uncharted reference something. But no, there was actually a guy named okay. Samuel Drake. Okay, it took me a second to like, what do you mean by a pseudonym? And I'm like, oh yeah, Uncharted's a thing. Yeah, I never played Uncharted, so... Me neither. They're good games. Yeah. So the way it came to my PS4. But anyway, I th- yeah, I think maybe you might be right, Andrew. Maybe Samuel Drake is the standout amongst this cast. At the very least, amongst this section of characters here. Uh, among the secondary characters. That's fair. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's a pleasant surprise, and I really hope we get to hear him in more stuff. Dude, to be honest same. With you. Yeah. yeah, this is this is a role that definitely put him on my radar, and I want to see him in more things. Do your thing, Lenti. Hell yeah. Do we want to? Is there any other thoughts on the Ota tribe, or trio from the Ota tribe, or do we want to move to the Adachi tribe? Let's they- talk about the biker greaser gang. Are you good, Jamal? Yeah, they're crazy, but they're, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So the Adachi tribe. We have Johnny and Mark Allen Jr. We're not talking about the other guy. There is one more guy in the Adachi tribe that um, kind of is part of the trio. However, he doesn't have 
really a lot to say or do. That's that would ta- be, uh, oh, fucking good. That would be um, Tatsuto Tatsunuma, who is voiced... By Bradley Gareth. By Bradley Gareth. Um, so, uh, Just giving him a quick shout-out. Quick oh. shout-out there. Um, unfortunately, um, Tatsuto did not really do a ton, so we won't be talking about him tonight. But we are going to be talking about fucking... Um, Mondo Twin and um, Toad. fucking Snake Boy here. Mondo and Toko. Mondo and Toko, basically. Yeah. No, Mondo and and um, what the fuck is her alternate personality? Genocide or genocide? Jack. Jack. Thank you. Well, Thank in you. in this, it's Jack. In the other game, it's Jill. Close enough. Anyway. Uh, Mark Allen Jr., I don't know where this came from, and especially, <laughs> I gotta give Mark kudos, because Ronkichi's character has that tongue out demon, like, every single time you see him, so trying to incorporate that in your, your performance in the dialogue is probably a little tricky to do. You gotta sound a little crazy, and then you actually gotta do- yeah. Oh my goodness. You, yeah, you gotta sound a little crazy, guys, you know? <laughs> <laughs> You gotta have a little oh, fun when you have your tongue sticking out like this. How much did you believe from inside out? Okay, well. What the fuck are you trying to do? I'm attempting to do the tongue thing. Uh, it's but, not easy, clearly. It's no, not. That's no, tricky. it's not. <laughs> so, I definitely say kudos to Mark Allen Jr. for pulling that off. Because holy hell. <laughs> like, I I imagine it, like, making that, making at least a sound that kind of, that has that little quirk or kick to it for this kind of character. It's probably a little bit tricky to sort out. He's like the human, he's like the human Sona of one of the hyenas from The Lion King. <laughs> mean Ed? One of them. You mean Ed? It could be Ed, yes, I guess. It, it's, it's probably Ed. Ed. Fine, he's Ed. It's Ed. <laughs> it is 100% Ed. <laughs> Is what you're thinking of. Also, because we're not going to really have any other time to talk about it, I want to shout out the one guy that Wayne Grayson plays. Yeah! Who just... It's just Joey Wheeler again. It's just Joey Wheeler as a greaser who gets duped by a fucking animal porn? Yeah. 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 All the boys got duped by it. Oh, so sexy. Kazuki likes to play dirty. Let's be real here. But, uh, no... Uh, Mark Allen Jr. was definitely a surprise as Ron Kichi. Like, this was one of those ones, because as I was just talking about with Zach Aguilar, like, there was enough of, of a, like, a vocal quirk or tone that I'm used to with Zach that I could pick up that it was Zach Easley. Mark, it actually took a minute. Same. And I've gotten a very good feel at this point from Mark Allen Jr. and, like, his vocal tone and some of his quirks. But this, <laughs> like, it took me longer than it would normally take me to pick up on someone, and because of some of the little uh, little eccentricities to Ronkichi's character and some of the little extra technical pieces to it, um, but I've also never really heard Mark Allen Jr. play a crazy character before. As well, because well, Ronkichi isn't all uh, isn't all really up there upstairs, if you know what I mean. Um, yeah. But 
at least not as unhinged as some members of the Ota tribe, at least. Mm. But I enjoyed the hell out of Ronkichi. It was definitely different. Kind of a little bit slimy, a little bit unhinged, a little bit like sneaky little rat kind of character, and I really liked it. Anyways. And yeah, he's great. What do you think, Jamal? Yeah, I kind of can't tell it was Mark at first, because I have seen some... Well, it's not like he... I have seen some anime where he's like that kind of crazy, but not that kind of crazy, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I think I think what really kind of threw me off was the whole tongue thing, cause yeah, yeah, yeah. that's disturbing. But I guess the scene kind of really calls his character really calls for it, cause especially when the Muto tribe go to battle the Adachi tribe is like, wait, yeah, the, <laughs> the Adachi tribe to 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 save. Uh, oh, you mean Shiota? No, 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 the Adachi tribe. I was trying okay, to... Okay, when they go to save Sayori? Yeah, yeah, save. <laughs> yeah, quote-unquote save. We'll get to that later. Quote-unquote right? save. Yeah, so I guess, because they seem kind of run down. That is what does the Ultra tribe. That, yeah, they, he kind of has to, This character kind of looks like he's out of the slums, so... Oh, yeah. I guess what better way to make it... I don't know necessarily out of the slums, but like... Definitely a punk biker kind yeah. of guy. I believe it. Speaking of bikes, uh... <laughs> Speaking of punk biker guys! And he never got his fucking license. He never oh my got God. his fucking license! That was the best joke! So, Hyakutaro uh, Senju, a.k.a. Gianni Machagrano. How do we feel about our uh, wonderful captain of the Adachi tribe? I fucking love him. Yeah. <laughs> Gianni is so stupid talented, and he is delightful as this fucking pompadour wannabe biker leader man who thinks he's hotter shit than he actually is, but is also kind of a dumbass. And, God, he can't fucking drive a motorcycle is such a good gag. Oh, yeah. man. There, there, yeah, there's a joke when um, Minato goes to save Saori. Uh, from the Adachi tribe, save air quotes. Um, and the um, the Adachi tribe uses motorcycles as their official cleats for the game, which the umpires allow. All except for Hyakutaro, because he doesn't have a motorcycle license. So he uses a bicycle <laughs> to run around on the plates as his 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 um, footwear <laughs> and the joke is made by a couple of players like see this is what happens when you don't get your motorcycle license and nobody now takes you seriously he's like shut up he's but gianni's just got this very charming supportive big brother energy to him in hyakutaro yes and you can tell he's got his heart in the right place mm -hmm. even if he doesn't always know how to show it he's very much like a a better guy, Bondo Owada, and Gianni's voice is absolutely a ton of fun, and he has great chemistry with the Minato tribe. Minato tribe? Oh, yeah. Yeah, he, oh, yeah. His heart's definitely in the right place, especially when it comes to like certain character moments like uh, yes. when we first believed him to be dead in, what, episode five, I think? Oh, when, when Adachi takes on the Shiota tribe? Yeah. 
was yeah, like, oh yeah. I was like, oh, God yeah. damn it. God damn it. And then he comes back in the next couple episodes. I was like, wait, what? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's part one of my problem. Uh, and then <laughs> there's another moment where. Listen, I- there, there, listen. Remember, by this point in the show, fucking XB it has not become, like, unregulated thanks to Ojino. So killing people has not been allowed yet. Okay, so if the whole video release comes out and it turns out Odro pounded him in the head, what, how are you going to explain to me what that liquid was then? That looked like blood to me. I I'm mean, just saying. I'm just saying. He got, be- he got better. I got better. They really did. Just a flesh wound. Like yeah. everybody it- else in this show is made Tonka tough, except for Shun, who is made out of like... Day old napkins and glass bones. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get to part two shoot. later. But yeah, he he got better until he the uh, until the next scene where uh, he's invited to Todoroki's mansion and uh, oh god, I forgot his name was Todoroki. Big Yakuya oh, yeah. Todoroki. God damn it! God, he was really full of shit after that whole saga. Oh, I thought boy. he was gonna go to a road raid. Oh, not Void Rage, a Void Rage, and then he ends up on the Nekomaru Nida. <laughs> oh, God, I, I get it. Yeah. Oh, well, okay. That, that is a big, a big Nekomaru shit! <laughs> I gotta take a massive shit! Which, to be honest, how many of us haven't pulled the Nekomaru Nida? Anyway, but yeah, anyway. guys definitely having fun with these types of characters. And you if you ever found him at any given time on Twitter, you know he loves playing these types of characters, no matter what he does. Oh, yeah. Gianni's such a freaking delight, and I love getting to hear him more and more in things. He was he was a ton of fun oh, in yeah. this role in particular, and I'm glad, I'm glad we got to hear him really um, rev his engine up. Alright, get out. Alright, so at this point, is there anything else... We want to add about the Adachi tribe, aka Johnny and Mark, or do we want to move on to our main? We got our main team here. The minors have been fun. It's time to move on to, to the, the major, major leagues. leagues. Okay, so we have the Minato tribe plus our main antagonist Ojido. So we have, as a refresher for folks at home, who we're going to be talking about next, we have. Casey Mongelo as Haru, Phil Sacramento as Taiga, John Van Doren as Kazuki, Jacob Hopkins as Shun, Brittany Karbowski as Saori, Brendan Blaber as Monami, Kevin Thelwell uh, as Santaru, uh, Joshua Waters as the Quadruplets, Ichiro Jiro, Saburu, and Shiro, and of course, Corpse Hub's husband, I can talk, as Ojiro. I think we should start with the Quadruplets because that is the easiest place to start. Yeah. Yeah. So say, Joshua Waters. As, okay, so I gotta be honest with you. I thought Joshua was pretty <coughs> good. I thought Joshua was a little underwhelming. I thought Joshua really was growing into his own. And I gotta say, Joshua blew me away. He's got a career really building for that Joshua in particular. Other one needs a little bit work, but I the other two are pretty you. impressive in particular. I hate you right now. I, I thought Joshua was awesome. Pretty awesome. Basically awesome. Definitely awesome. 
<laughs> anyway, so Joshua, like we mentioned earlier, voices all four um, of the quadruplets. And yeah. I have to... And I have... Uh, one thing I'm going to get... I'm definitely going to give him credit that Joshua manages to make the quadru- quadruplets distinct enough to have they each have their own personality to them. They all sound slightly different from one mm-hmm. another, and that's a really tall task to take. Oh, yeah. Even for, like, a small part, that's not easy to make them all distinct. Absolutely. So, yeah. definitely kudos to Joshua Waters for that. Because it's 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 similar enough to be like, hey, so these four are related, they're brothers. But each one has, like, a slightly has a small twist to them to give them their own personalities. Yeah. And that's not an easy feat to do. And especially like if you sometimes have, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm doubting that these were recorded. The characters were, the lines for them were recorded consecutively. They probably went back to each one separately. Yeah. So, uh, here's what, because if it was one after the other, <laughs> that would have been, a, a, like if it was one after the other and Josh has to quickly change those personalities to match, then kudos even more. Holy shit. Yeah. But I doubt that's how that worked. <laughs> yeah, because you'd have to have a slight engineering trick to do that. But what it was was, and according to Lentes, apparently Joshua turned in uh, auditions for multiple characters, so the cast of his, uh, the quadruplets called that the ultimate he-they experience. The ultimate what? He-they experience. He-they experience. Jesus. Yeah. Interesting. Ah, because of their pronouns. Got it. Makes sense. Ah. That would do it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like I gotta say, Josh, um, I don't have much to say in particular. All I can say is this was no small task for what is effectively the supporting roles. Yeah. And but no, kudos, Joshua did a fucking killer job. Kudos to Joshua for having a lot of fun with, with the quadruplets, for sure. Uh, let's talk about... We are not talking about Corpse for a Hot Minute because we are going to put him with his boyfriend. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to put Ojiro with his boyfriend, Kazuki. That's fair, and that's valid. <laughs> so, before anyone asks, uh, Ojiro we're going to put with his boyfriend, Kazuki. So, why don't we talk about... Um... <laughs> why are you laughing? Okay, so, uh, I need to come out and at least give credit to this one in particular um are you looking at patrick so oh, oh yeah side note we've been in, we were recording for an hour and a half patrick was originally supposed to be part of this episode with us but due to scheduling issues with work he unfortunately had to drop at the last minute I've, but we have his notes i've been doing my best to at least uh mention a lot of his points in passing but this one i need to credit to patrick in particular because okay. this one made me laugh what shout out for kevin thuwell for playing the competent Matsuno brother. <laughs> <laughs> fucking, fucking incredible. I mean, okay, you, okay. Wrong. Let's talk about Brandon and Kevin then. Let's put the two of them together because they kind of like are together most of the time anyway. So let's talk about Brandon and Kevin together. They're the two bros. They're the two bros. But one of one of them is the big giant teddy bear, and then there's Santaro, who's an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> so if I was to describe it, is one is the giant Great Dane, who is just a big cuddly friend, yes! but will crush you under his, like, cuddly weight. Mm-hmm. And then Santoro is the giant bitchy chihuahua who wants to be tall. <laughs> no, wait. Actually, probably closer to, say, a dachshund, I'd say. 
basically tiny legs, big attitude and personality, and is not going to let his size intimidate you. He will talk a big game, and he will he will play a big game. Oh, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. Anyway, how do we feel about Brandon and um, Kevin? Uh, uh, Kevin is a lot of fun, and I hadn't heard him play like a little schmarmy pervert character before. This is different for me, too, because the only other role I know Kevin from is Poseidon in Sleepy Princess. Because Kevin's still relatively new and is climbing the ranks a little bit. You watched Megalobox. Who's Wait, Kevin Mio. Remind me, who, which one was that one? That's the little kid that... There are a lot of little kids, Andrew. From the from the immigrants. Fuck the troublemaker one, isn't it? Yep. Fuck. Okay. Yep. It's been a minute since I since, I, since we watched Nomad. I'm sorry. Which man? Nomad is one of those. This didn't need a sequel, and they somehow made a show that was as good, if not better, than the original Megalobox. Mm-hmm. Fucking incredible show. Uh, anyway, Nomad was. anyways, yeah. Kevin. Ke- Kevin is a fun little firecracker in and of himself. And he is just a charming little dickhead. Oh, yeah. And oh, I kind of yeah. love him. I'll say this. He's a, he's the pervert character, but I feel like the show doesn't play that card too hard. No. Because yeah. I've played Danganronpa 2. Danganronpa 2 is one of my favorite games in that series. The best game of that series. And probably one of my favorite ensemble casts in the series. It also has Teru Teru. And I don't oh. care for Teru Teru. Oh, Teru Teru. And this is a much oh, better... Oh, Teru This is a much, much better version, much more toned-down version of something like that, and I like he, him a lot more. Santaru has his moments where he is a perverted little shit. Yeah. But it's in the... It is in the most... It is in the appropriate points. It's not... Santoru's pervertedness is not his entire character. That no, is the big not. thing He's here. just a oh. cool... Big bro that's the size of a little bro. Yes. Little big and bro. And I think... He think he, he he acts like a big shot, but he's actually not. <laughs> I think he's, a, he's the right level of energy and is a great supporting figure for the entirety of the Minato tribe. Yeah. Anyways, Kevin is great. I need to talk about fucking Brendan. Hold on, let Jamal talk about Kevin. Okay. Hold your dang horses. Fair, fair. Hi, hi. So yeah, I thought, I thought Kevin was great as his character. He talks big, but he walks small. Yeah, the perfect is it. it it's definitely not his whole character. It is fun at times, though, especially that one shout scene where he starts to just hear his hollow scream, but he's like. Hey, what's going on here? And just starts pulling out a video camera in 4K. Yep. And yep. Then because, Sau- because Har- Haru walked in on Saudi Sa- changing. Yep. That's yep. a hell of a right hook to take to break a camera, though. <laughs> Santaru deserved that. He did. 100%. <laughs> he did. I, he did. I just didn't expect the camera to disintegrate that much, though. Mm hmm. Dude- you, you don't mess with Saudi. Dude yeah. had a 4K camera, too. Yeah, I just mentioned that. Got his ass whooped in 4K as well. <laughs> he yeah, wanted to so. catch Saudi in 4K, but uh, that kind of backfired. He played himself. He wanted that to catch. One. He wanted to catch Saudi in 4K. Instead, he caught these hands. <laughs> yeah, that he did. That he fucking did. But like, but like the other said, uh, that part of the character did not define him as a whole because he 
really passionate about like what he does no matter how he does it like it's only when like he gets back to a corner like when he's the when the media told Travis to create the last arc to force me to play a game against the Kyoto tribe one more time it's like yep it's that kind of determination it's like you're back against the corner what are you gonna do now and just when you think when he thinks the chips are down somebody manages to bring it back up and I like how Kevin displays all those changes very yeah. well and that's why he did a I solid d- job I, I will say I like some of the moments where it's like speaking of the last match with Chioda, there's a funny moment where um, he sa- oh, Santoru, I- Santoru talks a big game but then sometimes he gets terrified and pisses his, pisses his pants basically I think I don't know I think I don't like. He got. I don't guessed, know. I don't know it exact. But, he has to uh, there's a more the pretty pretty princess and Brendan yes! says yes. Yes, you know it's stream. Everybody knows it's streaming. So. It's like, dude, you can't fool us. It's we all know it's no, streaming. It's yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Santa Santa some is kind of. He's not the definition of all bark and no bite. He's not the definition of that. But there are moments where that comes up. <laughs> That's hilarious. He's basically um, 90, 90% inspiration, 10% perspiration. Yeah, sounds about right. I will, say, about that, right. I will say this though, because I'm going through uh, Letty's notes here. Apparently, to them, Satoru was the one character they were confident that they knew who they wanted before they heard Kevin's audition. And then they mm. heard Kevin's audition and they knew right on the spot he'd be perfect. Yeah. Yeah, so Kevin, you done did good, and yeah, happy dude. birthday to you. Ah, yes, at the yeah. time of recording this, it's Kevin's birthday today. Happy birthday, sir. Happy so, very belated birthday. Happy very time. belated birthday by the time this episode comes out, but... By the time this episode probably comes out, it'll be the end of the World Series, I guess. God, if that was time for the end of the World Series, Jesus Christ. Oh, shit, anyway. I just realized, well, I'll get into that with that final thoughts. So. Okay. What? Talk, you, you can we talk about Monami? <laughs> yeah. Dude, are we good? Are we good with Sansaru? Let's talk about Monami and Brendan Blaver. Big pimp. Big pimp. Anyway, you look like you have something to say right now because you were just itching to say this. I need to describe the exact words that I was told Monami needed to be that Marissa Lenti wanted when she was casting. Brendan Blaber. Lenti said that they need a Jerry Jewel, but he's a hamster from Chicago. Yep. <laughs> and that is exactly That's exactly what this is. What Brendan Blaber delivers. That's exactly what this is, and I love it. A Jerry Jewel ham ham from Chicago who's a fan of the Cubs. <laughs> Oh, about to come, about to come, baby, about to come, let and, them come, get over And there is just this very unique, friendly, approachable voice Monami's got going I for him. I love Monami. He's everybody's friend. He he's, is. He's also like probably like the emotional, emotionally, the most emotionally available member of the tribe. Oh yeah. He, like you can tell he listens to everybody's problems, and he's there. For everybody else, and he knows ev- he knows everybody's deal. He knows all the gossip. Mm-hmm. He also knows the secrets nobody else should know. 
Yes, so Monami and Santaru, um, very early on, because we mentioned earlier that Shun fucking bites it. We actually find out that Shun has some sort of medical condition. We don't know 100% the extent or the details of it. And uh, the only people in the Minato tribe who know about this are Monami and Santaru. And that's it. And here's another fun fact for you I also learned. Oh god, what now? Brendan, Kevin, and Jacob were the only people who knew about Shun's impending death. That makes sense. That makes sense. Those were the only ones that were let in on the fact that Shun was going to die. We'll talk about the funny story about Shun's death in a, in a little bit, probably when we get to um, Jacob. Uh, because <laughs> the story that they told on that um, that uh, cast party stream that Lenti held, oh boy, that was hilarious. But Anyway. But just Brendan's just got this very warm, fuzzy vibe to Monami's voice. Which I, I think I'm also going to mention Patrick's notes here. Brendan played Monami like a Hanna-Barbera character, which was a very nice touch. I like that. And he also wanted to compliment the fact that they did not go for the low-hanging fruit, which was to give him the stereotypical fat, slow guy voice. Yes! yes. I appreciate that. It's the same argument as, like, the... the, as the 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 stereotypical fat girl voice it's the whole thing when we this for those of you who are new we talked about um the ladies did an episode on kiss him not me um and this was a huge part of the conversation when we talked about um uh Kei Numa, i think is the, is yeah. the character's name whoever whoever um genie Torado, i think it was played right yeah. it's the idea of like larger characters mm-hmm. effectively getting to play the with, lower yeah with kind of like Push cheeks, fat, like yeah. fatter, lazy oh, yeah. voice. Oh yeah. Basically, TLDR is big boy, big body is supposed to equal big voice, but that's a big dodo. It's also a big stereotype. Which oh no, yeah, which they which subverted is, exceptionally. God. They made they gave Monami this like sweet, soft, cuddly voice, and I love it. But then Monami, except for one moment. <laughs> oh but, um, yeah. But Monami. You don't want to get him angry. Mind me, you like won't a lo- motherfucker. When you make him angry, when you're... He goes rage mode. When you hurt his friends, mm-hmm. he threatens to rip off your fucking head and piss down your throat. Yep. Which I saw that, and I saw his fucking eyes go feral, like, oh, holy shit! Yeah, that was the one moment where Brendan gets to portray Monami in a different way. And it's scary and it's great. It's scary because Monami as a character is you is one you wouldn't expect to be that like like vehemently like raging angry like that. Which makes that moment, especially for Brendan, like all the more scarier for Monami's character. And it's just ooh, it's a nice touch. I love it. What do you think, Jamal? Brandon was a side pick from the start, so <laughs> I I don't hear Brandon these types of roles often, but when you do, you know he's always great whatever he does. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I still remember giving him a W last year for for the combatant, so I know, so I so I have a familiar understanding of what Brandon is capable of. A familiar understanding that doesn't mean I know anything he's capable of. He's he can always surprise you at any time. No, yeah, like. 
I haven't heard a ton, a ton of Brendan Blaber. I think, I think offhand the only other role, at least out of the ones I credited earlier that I've heard from Brendan, is Wonder Egg Priority. And, um... Oh, yeah. This is... Monami is very different from that role as well. Like, extremely different. Um, you need to watch Sasuke and Miyano. I do need to you watch... Really it's need on to. my backlog, baby. I have a large list of backlog shows, and Sasuke and Miyano is among them. Holy shit. I'm trying to get through... Oh, my God. I'm trying to get through the, the first 50 episodes of the fucking Prince of Tennis old Viz Media dub. Because Before it expires off of Hulu next Tuesday. I'm because I need to refresh my brain as to what happens before I can start the new dub of Prince of Tennis. If, if like, the new dub comes to, like, Crunchyroll the next day, I'm gonna laugh my ass off. If the new dub comes to Crunchyroll? Literally the day after it expires off Hulu, I will laugh my I, ass off. I, you mean I, the, the old dub of the, the show? Do you, means, mean the, do you mean the first 50 episodes? I mean the show! Whatever, the, you get what I mean. The 50 episodes come to Crunchyroll and it's the new dub. I would laugh. Uh, I, mean, I don't think they can do it that quickly because of legality issues, probably with the license. I mean, probably. They, the most they might be able to do is put the Japanese up. Probably not in a new dub. And anyway. Uh, we're and arguing semantics. I was doing a bit. We are arguing semantics, I was yes. doing a bit. Well, you failed. Uh, anyway, Swing anything else? <laughs> Swing and a miss. Strike one. Uh, anything else for Brendan and Kevin? Uh, they are delightful, and they are very fun, entertaining characters, and they really, really brought a lot of these characters to life in their performances. Okay. Anything else, Jamal? They're very great. Okay. Let's talk about... Uh, at this stage, it's pretty easy to go through these characters in pairs. So let's talk about... Um, Shun and Saori, a.k.a. Jacob Hopkins and Brittany Karbowski. You think Saori was into Shun? Oh, more than likely. I, she was pissed when she found out that nobody told her about Shun's condition. I was gonna say, Sayori and Shun feels like a very Yoko and Kamina situation. It's possible. Ooh. And Finger and Lagan, but I, even I know what you mean by that. Yeah. Oh man, we gotta go. <laughs> we own it, so. I, yes, I decided to finally bite the bullet on a $130 set. But, Dude. <laughs> anyway, so these two characters are very interesting. You have Shun, who is a snarky little shit, but is the leader of the Minato tribe. He is a very good influence, especially to Haru when we're introduced at the start of the show. Um, and he kind of helps motivate and instill the love of XB into Haru before he dies. Uh, and a little bit of the Taiga as well, even though Taiga's a fucking dumbass. And then you have Saori, who is... She is... She is the... Big sis. She's the big sis. She's also the playmaker for this team. Yeah. Because she she's she knows the game. She knows some strategies. She, she knows... She's very quick on her feet. Um, and can adapt very easily to the situation. She is the only person in the entirety of the Minato tribe who has any sort of fucking plan yes. outside of somebody who comes a little bit later. Ka! <laughs> Kazuki. Um, but anyway. Ugh. Do you want to talk Jacob or Brittany first? 
I'm gonna start with Brittany personally because it's Brittany fucking Karbowski. Yeah. Woman's woman's a legend at this point, and she's goddamn fantastic as the snarky little big big sis doing her best, keep holding everything together. Yeah. While also kind of just being fun and supportive, and also pretty funny too. Yeah. Brittany is delightful, legendary, and absolutely just pretty wild range she can play. Saudi has some moments where she gets to be a sassy pants. A snarky little sassy pants to the yeah, teammates because yeah. her teammates are idiots half the time. I still remember Tiger's disregard for XP at the beginning and she's like, not that I don't yes. appreciate your penchant for violence, but XP is a team sport and she just pops a gun on her. Haru, yes! Haru, you're a good little boy and a good student. Five points for you. Taiga, I'm shoving this machine gun right up your arsehole. <laughs> Straight up your arse. Boy, boy. Yeah. Hey, boy. Hey, boy. She was a little gun happy with, with those moments. So. But, yeah. yeah. She's sure not a quick shot. Cool. Anyway. Go ahead, Jamal. <laughs> well, she sure did miss the hundred percent of the shot she didn't take. But like Lexi said, if you want a girl character voice for life, right, you cast Brittany Karbowski, which it definitely makes sense because as I've said and I will say time and time again, Brittany is one tone of voice, but she manages to adjust it into a variety of performances because yes, I, for the love of me, cannot ever recall. Okay, well, maybe one time where she is voiced a tomboy kind of character. Little boys, yes. Big girls, yes. Not tomboys. Except for Island of Giant Insects, but that's a different story. That is a very different story. I will say, though, ever since that in Glaipnir, it's like she's been able to harness another dimension of vocal performances lately. Mm -hmm. Because while I was killing time, while binging all of this today, <laughs> I was watch also watching her the great Jahi would not be defeated. And I was like, I was of two bites of that as well. One, oh, that's Brittany Karbowski. Two, that's Brittany Karbowski? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love when I get to be surprised. It's like, oh, this is the person I know. Wait, what? <laughs> I think... I think the fun thing to me about Brittany Karbowski in particular is that she is probably the most established voice actor in this entire cast. And even after all these years, she's still got it. And she's still playing a lot of fun, different roles mm -hmm. than what you would typically associate with her. Yeah. And that's pretty goddamn cool. Like in the span of like at least the past couple of years, you have... Roles like Eddie from Angels of Death. We have um, her character in Gleefnir. We have Saori here. Um, and a variety of others. Like, she's really gotten to grow from the whole one-note character type and tone. And just expanded to a variety of more characters that she just gets to have fun with and play with. And it kind of, I think, in a way, challenges her, too. Which is perfect. Like, actors love challenges. You know what I mean? And mm -hmm. she's always up to the challenge mm -hmm. and ready to step up to the plate. Oh, she hits a home run. Hey, bye-bye-bye. Hey, bye-bye. Hey, bye-bye. Swing, I can, I can never recall, as far as I'm aware of, a Brittany Karbowski role that I do not like. 
Unless it was some of the early stuff where she was still trying to establish herself, and I and it's like a little bit like where she's more green. But w w aside from that, like I love when actors find like get to expand and play pa out of their type, and this is one of these cases. Anyway. So yeah, Brittany is good. This is the first time we're talking about Jacob Hopkins. Literally the yeah. only this reason- This is the first time we're talking about Jacob Hopkins. I, I'm just going to put on recording- And I'm sad. <laughs> I'm just going to put on recording, I want to make a two year eternity episode happen. There's like maybe one or two voices I'm missing, but I'm yes. willing to do that anyways. I really want to make a two year eternity episode happen, but anyways- Jacob Hopkins as Shun is fucking fantastic. And I appreciate that right now we are two we are two and for two for tragic white haired anime boys that Jacob Hopkins plays. Oh my god! I hate you! You're right. Ah also, This one's probably a little better off because he actually gets to fucking feel the sweet embrace of death. <laughs> The, the sad part of that is, I think most of that was from internal bleeding when Ojiro punched him in the stomach. A mix of that and then whatever. And then his, he was also kind of sick. For, and then whatever his condition that, was. Yeah, that, as they, well, uh, prior yeah, to that, the show. yeah, that damage just kind of accelerated. So he, he could feel it was coming. He's got dead anime boy disease. Oh. It's it's fatal. I was so mad because we watched we watched Andrew and I. We first watched Tribe Nine week to week when it was airing. Yeah. And by the time we get to the end of, I think it was episode two, was it where Shun dies? Three. Three. We get to the end of episode three, and he dies, and I'm just like, Are you fucking kidding me? Are you actually kidding me? This boy, who was turning into my favorite character, up and fucking bites it. I was pissed. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, Daigon Rampa creators, you fucking assholes. <laughs> I hate you. I'm gonna say boy, this. I feel like that was almost like a fake out where it's like, okay, this is the real shit. Anyone can die. They didn't even kill fucking Todoroki. And he had a bomb in his face. Oh my they god. They didn't even the, kill again, Senjo, man. Like. The, the body count for this show is surprisingly minimal for this creative team. It, it I'm shocked. It kind of shoots, it kind of shoot talks a big game, but is shockingly, shockingly non-committal about offing people, which kind of makes Shun's death darkly hilarious in hindsight because it makes Shun look like he's a fucking weak-ass glass cannon. When, don't you when, don't you say that about my boy? I love Shun. Shun is a very good boy. But Shun is a very good boy. Yeah. The show really does him dirty, though. The show did him so dirty. I'm so mad. What were you going to say, Jamal? I was going to say, I was going to say, you, you Said that it kind of makes him sound like weakling until you get to like Shun and Sawi's backstory, but yeah. Yes. This is problem number two I have. We'll get to the third later. So. Mm -hmm. So the thing with um with Shun is for a while when the Minato tribe was established and they were playing XB, Shun was nicknamed I believe the Destroyer. Oh yeah. Because Shun was brutal as fuck, but it's Sayori 
who ends up essentially like knocking sense into him and getting him to chill the fuck out. Because Shun was all about, like... She domesticates him. <laughs> Shun was 100% about, like, fucking play the game. You gotta keep playing the game as hard as possible. And then Sayori's like, bro, stop. <laughs> the, yeah, domesticating him is probably the, the right way of saying this. And I love Jacob Hopkins as Shun so much. I think one of my favorite lines is, like, when uh, Taiga is, like, getting his ass kicked by oh, him. Yeah. He says, son of a whore. Jamal mentioned this earlier. And then it? you just hear Shun, language. <laughs> and just, like, patting his head. I also he's like... a very... Sorry. He's a snarky little shit, and, but he's a very charming big brother, mysterious yeah. big brother. And Jacob is absolutely delightful. Yeah. What did I, you want to say, Jamal? I like the fact that that same episode, at one point, he just starts vomiting, and Tiger's like, "Dude, you good? Are you good to die?" I was like, "Wow!" In hindsight, yeah, that was kind of foreshadowing. Think back, anybody that throws up that much, it's got to be. Oh yeah. Ugh. Oh yeah. It's got to be real unhealthy. So. <laughs> so for me, when it comes to Jacob Hopkins, this is probably the third time I've heard him in anything. First being, of course, Fushi um, in To Your Eternity. The second being a minor role in um, Uramichi. Uramichi on Nissan. Oh yeah, he's um, the bartender. Correct. Uh, but again, this is still the first fucking time we're talking about Jacob Hopkins and it's long overdue. But I think I'm getting a much better feel for Jacob as an actor with this show. To Your Attorney was a little bit... To Your Attorney is an interesting thing in and of itself uh, because of Fushi as a character and it's hard to really... It's hard for Jacob to, like, as someone in, like, the dubbing sphere in this case because I'm not going to say voice acting because, of course, he's fucking gumball. He's effectively playing three different characters. But, yeah. yeah. Like, Fushi in and of itself is a very interesting character of how that show progresses if folks at home have seen To Your Eternity. Um, but I feel like I have a much better idea now of Jacob Hopkins, like, vocal tone, performance-wise. Like, I have so much of a better idea now with a much more consistent character with Shun, and Shun leaves a massive impact in just a short span of time. And because Shun is, like, Shun is essentially, at the start of the show, the heart of the Minato tribe. Yeah. Once that heart essentially gets ripped out, and just destroyed and just dies, where do you go from there? They have to figure out how to fill it and how to move on. Right. Mm -hmm. So Jacob's role in all this, he has to be the heart of the Minoto tribe. And ha and his death has to have that impact that's going to be like a huge blow to them. And I think Jacob does very, very well. As a side note, <laughs> speaking of Shun's death, there is a yeah. hilarious story so, Andrew mentioned this earlier, that Jacob, Brendan, and Kevin were the only ones who knew that Shun would die. <laughs> but nobody else did. And so, how did the story go again? Let me see. So, basically, courtesy of one Marissa Lenti, who has been a very big help in regards to preparing for Lenti this. Lenti also told this story on the um, cast party stream for Tribe 9 that mm -hmm. they held. Uh, I purposely kept his fate a secret from the actors except the character who knew Shun was sick, so Jacob, Brendan, and Kevin were the only ones who knew. 
I thought the acting would be more authentic that way, and you can kind of hear that Brendan and Kevin specifically react in certain scenes knowing. Brendan also nearly spoiled it for Casey by complimenting Jacob on his death scene in the group chat right before Casey's set a session. So everybody spammed the chat so that when they checked, it was pushed up. And we all went, Casey, don't scroll up! Don't scroll up, Casey! Don't look! <laughs> Whoops. And that's what you call solidarity. Yeah. No, that's what you call team spirit. There you go. There you go. That's what you call commitment. Jeez. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But no, I love Jacob as Sean. The show did him dirty, and it makes me upset. Yeah, the show did him he really got done, did, done dirty. He got done, did dirty. Two Makes for, me mad. Two for two are baseball boys, but he got done dirty this one. He got done dirty. He got done dirty. Also, Shun is the fucking carbon copy lookalike of goddamn Nagito Komaida. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. Doesn't have the personality to match, but is a carbon copy of Komaida. Like, you cannot tell me otherwise. So, yep. there's that. Uh, anyway, are we good with Brittany and Jacob, or is there anything else we want to add for the two of them? Anyways, let's throw out, yeah. let's throw out the old model. Let's go for the new shiny model. <laughs> Even though we got him used from the store and his uh, arm uh, no work so good. Motherfucker. Alright. Blueberry Shoon... Lightly used. Time to rip the arm brace off. Oh, yeah. Lightly used and abused, but he likes it rough. Oh, God. Dude. God damn it. (sighs) These fucking puns. All right, Kazuki. Let's talk about Kazuki Aoyama and Ojiro Otari, a.k.a. John Van Doren and Corpse Husband, respectively. Now. Where the fuck do we want to start with this? Because there's a lot to unpack here with these two. I'm going to say with John in particular, it feels like he is played like an enigma. In Ooh. that he, you can never read what's going on in his head. Yes. And it feels like everything he says and everything he does, you don't know if he's being sincere. Mm-hmm. You don't know if he's full of shit. Yep. You don't know if he's using you. You don't know if he's being friendly with you. Mm-hmm. You can't read him. Especially early on when we get introduced to him when uh, Minato goes against the Adachi tribe to uh, save Shiori. Uh, Saori, not Shiori, Saori. Um, because he just pops in out of nowhere and is like, dude, you guys suck. I can help you win. And Kazuki does resort to kind of some dirty tactics in order to help them out. So he's not afraid to get his hands dirty. Not in the slightest. Um, for a, a first named like character, a named character like Kazuki, I enjoyed John. I really did. Um, where are my notes about John? I I will say this about John because I've seen him pop up lately. It's like ADR prep, but mm. I th- oh yeah, I think cause I just found out he moved to LA early this year. I think he was from Missouri, if I'm remember correctly that's why i just said you what i did in the group chat so ah. yeah so Missouri. oh wow yeah 
Oh my god. Jesus. That's a long trek. I like that John's Twitter name also includes, go back to it, ultimate snarky commenter. (laughs) Commentator. I love that. That's brilliant. Um, But no, like he, so John has these fun little snarky commentator, uh, some fun snarky lines and moments. And I like how you described him, um, Andrew, as an enigma where you don't quite get a read on him. Because you know, Kazuki is a mystery in of itself for like a good chunk of the show. You don't know what his motivation is. You don't know why he wants to help Minato. You don't know if he he could actually trust him, and that actually becomes a thing that comes into play partway through, when Haru is dealing with a potential beanbat thief, and he thinks it might be Kazuki. So he doesn't know if he should trust Kazuki. Kazuki is not an idiot. Kazuki's very smart, though. Yep. He's a very smart individual. Um, because one of the main... We find out later on because he's, because he starts opening up to the the rest of the Minato tribe um, after the incident with the Ota tribe and finding out why the hell he joined the Minato, Minato tribe to begin with. And it all has to do with our good friend Ojiro. Uh, so Kazuki and Ojiro, they grew up together essentially, and they yep. were both taken in by the Otari clan and the Chiyota tribe. And good old Michael Sorek, Mis- Mr. Otari guy, uh, wants to create the strongest fucking XB player known to man. And essentially, when Kazuki doesn't end up making the cut, he ha- he he basically like, casts him out, but not before uh, Michael Sorek Otari makes uh, Ojiro. Smash his fucking left arm. Basically breaks mm. it to the point it's unusable. Yes. Yeah. Or so we thought. And now, yeah. Well, to an extent. And now, Kazuki, it, it, his mission and his what he wants to do now is to save Ojiro essentially from himself. Because Ojiro at this point is all about like raw power, pure strength, the strong will survive, everybody else will get crushed under the weight of that power. And Kazuki just wants to save Ojiro from himself. Essentially. Can I help you? Can you want you Kazuki sees that Ojiro his path in right he sees that Ojiro's path in life mm-hmm. is completely derailing and he wants to put him back on track. Oh mm-hmm. my god. I hate you right now. <laughs> Wait. So in the last episode, Kazuki decides to step in front oh, of Ojiro in order to save him from a, a fucking bitch. train. You son of a bitch. I hate you. <laughs> He derailed him, so he put him back on track, and they both got railed together. They railed each other! <laughs> oh, baseball, you savage. <laughs> I hate you so much. <laughs> oh! <laughs> I took a train for you. Jamal, how do you feel about John? (laughs) Is Kazuki? 
very smarmy, very unique. I want to hear more of him. I forgot that this was not the first one I heard him in until you said, uh, you said, you said Full Dive, right? He was in Full Dive? I think you said for uh, one cat because I I looked at Bob earlier today. So 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 Kazuki is the only from what I could find, Kazuki is the only named character that he has. He's been in he's had background and background roles in shows like Dragon Ghost House Hunting and Full Dive. Okay, because I think I looked him up and I saw it's like ah oh, this motherfucker. Anyway, how dare you not have named characters, you asshole? <laughs> No, no, what we mean. That, that's kind no, of what it sounds like when you're saying that. No, I, I looked him up early. I saw a character he voiced in full dive. I was like, ah, oh, this asshole. Kamui. Well, John, John. No, that's Samuel Drake, bud. No, oh, wait, hang on. You're looking for a... Jo- no, hold on. He's right here. Tanashiro. Tanashiro. He's, yeah, he's a John Young Washington's movie. Anyway. So, John Van I it was... Really, my first time being aware of him, even though Perry yeah. was not my first time hearing of him. He was very smarmy, Kazuki. <laughs> very cunning. You can definitely tell he was hiding something just to, by the way he talks. Right. But when it came down to the end, it's like, you know, you there's only one thing and one thing he cares about the most. Mm-hmm. Which, uh, have you finished talking about John? Because I want to... <laughs> I... I... I think it's as good a time as any to segue into corpse. There's one thing about as Ojiro. There's one thing that Kazuki cares about, and one thing only, and that is Ojiro Otomi. Which let me tell you, I of all the things in my life, I did not expect to hear corpse husband in an anime, let alone a dub talk episode. Because I, I know, right? Because I think what it was was one day I was coming off of work and I saw the casting announcements for Tribe 9, and I saw a Twitter. I'm, I'm gonna have to look up the tweet later, just to prove I'm not talking about There was a butt. huge omission from the originally announced cast and for very big reason. I saw um, a tweet when Lenti said, hey, what do, you, what do you think about if I like what do you think about Corpse? What, what, what happened? Oh yeah, Lenti did do something and like I, that. Yeah, did do something like that. It's like... <laughs> Just that, like, oh, that, that'd be awesome. Sneaky, sneaky. And then, uh, then, then, what, the next day the dub came out or something? Then we find out he was actually cast? Oh, yeah. Which, oh, blew, yeah. which blew my fucking mind. To which, oh, yeah, which I also have to bring up this, too, because I didn't bring it up earlier with casting. I think he managed to get some of his other YouTube friends involved in this because... You would be correct. Because and I, I would know because I kind of sometimes watch some of that group stuff. You I, would be 100% correct. Because I remember there was also a video he did with uh, Sekudo who played one of the twins in the Chiodra tribe along with Akure. And they were talking about Tribe 9. He's like, oh, maybe we should get, get, get a watch party for this. And then four days later, cut come to find out he's in the dub as well here Valkyrie, so top so mm-hmm. so sorry it's so it is um if you are familiar with this group of youtubers and streamers you would hurt you might have heard of the amigops before that would be corpse uh valkyrie saikuno and disguised toast yeah disguised toast yep ray saikuno and toast ended up being part of that last team for Chioda. Um, Saikuno and Rei, as you were kind of saying before with Saikuno, um, they were the twins um, that go against Haru. And then um, Toast is this 
ninja-looking motherfucker that, um... Who goes against him? Is it Santaru in uh, that one scene? I also or know, is it Taiga? It's I, not Taiga. I also kind of wanted to shout out, I think one of the... One of them was a YouTuber yes. who passed yeah. away several months after the fact. I believe it was, yeah. his name Tec- was Technoblade. Yes, Technoblade, Technoblade was yeah. in there as well. Um, but yeah, I think I, I, th- I think the announcement of Corpse being in the show effectively broke the internet for like a solid twenty four hours. Yeah, and again, um, again, I gotta find the tweet for this because I think I remember seeing hearing somewhere that. Let my slipped corpse not there. a corpse actually went through with it. Yes, I feel like that, that is a bit. That is a big important thing, guys. It was not a stunt as, casting. Yeah, it was not stunt casting. It was not for clout. Mm-hmm. I I trust. Lenti was Lenti Lenti shot their shot and got corpse audition, and he auditioned. Mind you, this is an he went through the process got, like anybody else. Mind you, this is an asterisk because I have to find that tweet. Otherwise, it's going to sound like I'm talking out my butt. I, I mean, I it's true. It's it's 100 percent true. It's known information. We don't I, need to cite it at this point. It's been said on record. I and know, we are it's, willing to vouch for it. I know it's just a piece of butt to me. That's all. Fair enough. No, I get you. But no, uh, it's 100 percent like Lenti shot their shot and just was, like slipped corpse and like here, why don't you audition for this? And he did it. Um, again, and it worked out. Again, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take, and that was a hell of a shot to take. <laughs> yeah. But, that... um, I, th- I think in terms of talking about Corpse's performance, because this is his first ever, like, anime dubbing performance. Okay. I will say this, though, because mm-hmm. apparently in Japanese, this character is Judy Chisuabe, so... Already, <laughs> I'm not surprised. Yeah, that oh, sounds about right. That tracks. So already he's off to a good start. I know, mm-hmm. I know, two out of three of us have mixed feelings on the uh, mask filter, but I kind of thought maybe it brought what he needed to the character because you know, it's supposed to be basic behind this disguise of his. Because much it, like the uh, filter's a necessary evil. It the filter's a necessary evil. He I, has a uniquely low voice. Corpse has such a unique voice. That I think it it was like a it's 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 a fun little game of trying to balance it out with the filter, and again I thought the filter filter wise, it kind of hindered his performance early on in the offset, but that's only because they're trying to make the adjustments to make it like you're able to fucking understand him. It worked a lot better in the later episodes, like once they finally figured it out, and and I think it worked, but. Yeah. I'm also going to give him credit where credit is, Corpse credit where credit is due. Corpse is a, is primarily a musician, so for him, oh, yeah. he already has the skills like the sense of rhythm and timing, and he was he's able to take those skills as he has as a musician and bring that to the dubbing sphere like this. And I think while it was not a seamless transition, because of course everybody's going to be green with their first dubbing role that's just par for the course he grew into that very i think he grew into that and kind of stepped into it a lot more easily um than some people who may not have musical (coughs) experience or who might not have acting experience um so it's not necessarily like a seamless performance all the way through it's not 100 percent seamless but that's because it's he's never 
done anime before in his life. So I, I, I have to, I have to see it, call it as it is. Um, but over time, the more he got to be involved with it, the more he got to like really portray and get the chance to play with Ojiro. Yeah. And, like and grow with it the became character. yes, because Ojiro goes through his own character, his own character arc. Where, because we were talking about this before when we were talking about Kazuki and why he, what his motivation for the show is. Ojiro is just all about brute force and power and the, and the survival of the strongest. But by the, so progressively the main thing for Ojiro is just learning to have fun. That it's, yeah. that this, the game of XP is not all about power. It's not about drive. It's not about power. <laughs> we stay hungry. We devout. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I like. I, I, I like how he went from an FMA reject to a bison reject from Street Fighter, only to realize that you know not everything is about brute force. You know, it's, a, it's oh, I was referring to that so that one song that The Rock fucking did actually. I was just referring it's about to drive. It's about power. I was just referring to his costumes basically, because. <laughs> oh okay. But. but but the main thing is, is Ojiro is learning by the end of the show how much fun XB can be. Yeah. You know what I mean? And with the help, not just from Kazuki, but Haru and Taiga become major influences to that point as well by the end of the show. Uh, where by the end of it, Ojiro's just happy. He's yeah. having fun. He's having the time of his fucking life right now. I... Um, yeah. I think that's been the thing in some of these shows lately where you, when somebody at the top realizes what it is they've actually been missing all along, and that's yeah. where that third act twist came in. Twist. <laughs> Ojiro lost, Ojiro and Kazuki lost a lot along the way. Um, and what Kazuki was able to essentially gain back by being cast out from the Otori clan um, he wanted to try and get that, he wanted to help Ojiro and get some of that humanity back, I guess is the word. Yeah. You look like you want to say something. I would like to give credit where it's due that even though there are no subs in baseball, the line, you'll have to settle for oh, being my sub, yes. is quite officially the gayest fucking thing in this entire show. Oh yeah. And... They kept they kept it in, and it's it is as gay as it is, and that yeah, they fucking. <laughs> so, but no, I it, it I think Corpse was able to grow into his own. I for one would love to see him come back in the occasional anime role. Honestly, I really would, because he has a very unique voice. That's like he's broken the fucking internet with his unique voice. Let's be real here. I've seen but, the compilation videos. <laughs> oh yeah, every time, every time he hopped into an Among Us chat with new people for the first time, he just talks. Everyone's like, "Holy shit, that's what the fuck!" And Whoa! they're just like, oh. they're like "Hot what damn!" Was that? <laughs> that was hot. Oh, but my booty. I feel like I feel like if he were to continue occasionally voicing in anime roles, um. It could be another skill set that he could hone, and I think he would actually do really, really well. For a first outing like this, um, given everything that he he's 
dealt with with Ojiro along the way, a lot of the technical pieces to it, the fact that he's brand new to the anime dubbing sphere, um, and the skill set that he currently does have uh, as a musician. Um, it translated very well, and I think by the end of the show, he managed, he, Corpse has a really, really strong performance by the end of it. So I really think, I would love to see him pop in in an anime again, honestly. You look like you want to say something else, my dude. There is one thing I, th- I think I know where you're going to go with this. There is one thing, though, that I am going to criticize this whole thing with. I am going to just straight up say I've been quiet for most of the segments because I'm going to piggyback almost exclusively off of what Patrick has written here. Mm-hmm. And I am, I'm going to read it verbatim because I kind of agree with most of it. Okay. Corpse Husband as Ojiro is probably the performance... I have the most to say, and not fully because of the performance in and of itself. In that respect, it's perfect for the needs of the character. You can tell that Lenti, Corpse, and Sound Cadence engineering crew were refining the filtering work as they went, which lent itself well to the arc progression of Ojiro as a character. Without the mask, and by extension the noble sacrifice of multiple Fisher-Price for karaoke sets, Corpse actually shows off an extremely capable performance, which took me aback given it's, to my knowledge, Corpse's first ADR gig. Mm-hmm. I do, however, have one umbrance, and that's not with the show or the dub itself. That's with how Funimation's social media team treated his casting and turned it into the central promotion for the show online. Mm-hmm. It The casting was not meant to be a gimmick, but the Funimation social team made it out to be. It wasn't fair to the rest of the cast. Not to Lenti, and at least of all, not to Corpse, who took some of that backlash. He auditioned, and he got the part. I also respect when this happened and dud actors were visibly upset over it, he turned the attention to himself away from that and focused it on the rest of the cast as well. Mm -hmm. Like when it came to everybody shining a light on him, he decided instead to not make it about himself. He wanted to compliment all of his other castmates and give them some love and attention, Mm -hmm. too. As Funimation has given way to Crunchyroll, I can only hope a lesson will be learned among the social teams that promoting big names for the roles does not omit the actual talent in and of itself who works their hardest to make this happen. Yep. Anyways. This is not a stunt cast. This is not a stunt cast. This is not a fucking stunt cast. Remember, remember, ladies and gentlemen, it's not about how high profile you are when you get the part. Mm-hmm. It's about the Mets, baby! Let's go, Mets! Come on, hit a home run! Let's go, Mets! 1986 can Patrick, happen again! Let's go, Mets! Patrick. Patrick the fuck. And also, why are you yelling it's 11 o'clock at night? <coughs> Got it in there, buddy. Made you proud. Anyways. Yeah, this is this is not a stunt cast. This is not a stunt cast. Like, and, and I, I, I like how in Patrick's notes he brought up the fact that Corpse took, like, wanted to take the attention away from himself and put it back on the rest of the cast. Corpse always gushes about anybody he works with, to be honest with you. That's just him and his personality. Definitely got a lot of respect from him for that. In oh, particular. yeah. That's just how he, he is, and I, had, I 100% respect him for that. But, yeah, it's one of those things where it's like, it's from the team that did Danganronpa. That should have promoted there, itself. There is there is your promotion right there, Funimation. Like, or now fu- Crunchyroll. Well, point still stands. But anyway, 
How do you actually feel about the performance, though? Because you haven't really said much, I don't think. I was going to say I liked it. Yeah? I liked it. It definitely grew into the performance. Like, it took some getting used to, but he actually adapted very well and grew really, really exceptionally into the performance. Mm -hmm. And I hope we do get to see a little more from him in the future. Yeah, I would love to, I would love, I would love, 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 love to hear, hear Corpse more in anime. I'll say this. He has a very unique voice that could be made for this, for God's sake. That being said, he is not my favorite performance in this dub. No. No, 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 yeah. For me, he's up there, but it's not my favorite. <laughs> I know who my favorite is. It's like, I would say second second place is a mix between Jacob and Corpse Husband. But there's a know, better performance. I know who's number one in my I fucking heart. I know who's heart. number one in my heart. Is there anything else that anyone wants to say about John Van Doren or Corpse Husband before we move on to our last characters? Uh, they, they fucking. They fucking. <laughs> they should be fucking. No, no, oh. damn it, Andrew. God damn it, baby. All right. Let's not derail this any longer now, shall we? Andrew, I swear to God. Well, if you All trouble, right. take a swig. Anyway. Andrew's going to... Ladies and gentlemen, Andrew is about to be banished to the couch for the evening. <laughs> he will not be... He will not have a bed to sleep in tonight <laughs> if he keeps he, this shit up. He ain't getting <laughs> anyway. third base. Huh? Nothing. Would you... Jamal, even if he could, he could get some of that. He can't anyway. My ankle's still recovering. <laughs> Can we move on? Fucking Christ! <laughs> Listen, <coughs> all right, Haru and Taiga, our last two. <coughs> Shit, our last two characters, Haru and Taiga, aka Casey Mangelo and Philip Sacramento, respectively. Where are we starting with these goobers? I want to start with Casey, actually. Okay. What do you want to say about Casey? The sweetest bean. The goodest <laughs> bean. such a good bean! Absolutely precious baby boy. Baby. Such, baby. Such baby. Soft baby. Warm baby. Little ball of fur. I love blonde Nike. God damn it! He's... The... Casey as uh, uh, Haru, uh, their performance is definitely very soft, sweet, like unassuming. But you could tell that there's a hidden, there's a hidden badass in there too. Which, if you want to know one of my personal favorite character archetypes, it's the unassuming, sweet, kind boy that doesn't believe in himself, but is actually a secret badass waiting to be unleashed. I would say. It's surprising to me that it's a very interesting way to see how Haru grew throughout the entire show with the help of Shun, without Shun, and then growing into his own man. Which I would say that, like, the finale of Tribe 9, a lot of the yells and, like, loud action noises Casey made, funny enough, were reminiscent to me of... Teen Gohan fighting Cell. It felt very Dragon Ball Z in particular, and yeah. that felt like almost a very intentional, <clears throat> this is a boy becoming a man ready to face the strongest motherfucker in the world, and I think Casey absolutely nailed that strong shonen, almost Dragon Ball Z-esque 
combativeness in the final in the final innings of Tribe Nine. Very charming, sweet boy. Absolutely bounced off the other characters. I don't. Okay, I'm gonna wait for Steph to get here before I continue that one. But I I truly did love Casey's portrayal of Haru. Very sweet. Very very charming. Very cool. Very hit. I love the hidden badass character archetype. Absolutely charming, very much warmed my heart in particular. Haru's a good little bean, doing his absolute best. It's kind of unusual seeing Emporio out of the prison, though. Oh my yeah. god, fucking really? Wow, that's a that is a deep cut. Okay, we're going uh, but, Stone but... Ocean references. But, oh, because but... baseball, baseball. That's where you're going with this. Okay. Yeah, I guess, yeah, Emporio and Monami would have uh, bonded over their love of the Cubs. Well, I bet because Emporio is a baseball kid. I, was I trying get to where... I, I, anyway. Kind of, kind of when you said Drag Ball CS, because I realized that the last fight scene, the last episode, I kind of heard this uh, Drag Ball C sound effect when the ground was crushing underneath. Tiger and Haru and Old Tree and Kazuki. It's like, yeah, yeah, I can see what I. They definitely knew what they were going for, but that haven't been said. Casey as Haru was very neat, very charming, very cute. Uh, I can definitely see what they were going with the performance. Uh, hold on for a sec. Uh, also, fucking um. <clears throat> Where the fuck did that confession come from? Oh my god. I, I, that, I, didn't, that, I was waiting for Steph to get back and fill her water before I mentioned that, but where the fuck did that confession come from? That's number three, and I'll get to that in final thoughts, so... Where the fuck did I do that tweet? Oh. Yeah, that confession came out of nowhere. I mean... Shot is shot, but like... I mean, okay... There were signs that he had a thing for Saudi. Okay, sticking your head between your thighs is not a sign. That was the first episode, by the way. He accidentally walked in on her while changing and had a little blush. Some of the... Th there are small signs. Yeah, there are small that signs. That show. But even in context, it still didn't make any sense to me. My honest. point still stands. Anyway... I think this is the first time I actually get to talk about Casey. Yeah, I'm because realizing. You, you weren't on 86 or Mob. Same. I didn't do 86. Uh, no, I wasn't Mob, but we didn't. Oh, yeah, we didn't cover. We didn't uh, cover this guy. Show's character didn't pop up. Because that was back when we were doing impressions, that full reviews. Yep. Yeah, this is actually my first time talking about Casey, I think. Casey's really Same. been picking up Steve, and I'm very happy to see how far yeah. they've come as an actor. I really liked Casey a lot. Um, Kay man, freaking Casey is is has this. Casey starts out with like the shy, hesitant nature in the beginning oh, because yeah. because Casey is a scaredy little cat, and Haru's solution to all of life's problems is to run away, which he does, and then. Once he gets, once he meets like Shun and Taiga, the rest of the Minato tribe, and all the things that he goes through, he starts 
he he becomes more of a reliable person for the people around him and he also becomes a lot more confident in in what he does like he gets confidence in himself while for while playing XP he is able to come out of a shell a lot more so Haru has I think the most interesting character arc of the show because again you're going from really meek hesitant like will run away at the drop of a hat to this confident badass that will take on fucking scary ass Ojiro in a fucking brawl basically like and Casey's progression over the course of the series is a lot of fun to watch. And I love I love their progression of the characters of Haru. Um, it, it's, I love it. It's so much fun. It's very, yeah. it's, a, it's very fun and dynamic to see that. Casey's great. Casey's yeah. great. As Letty pointed out, Casey's the blood baseball child. Just makes sense. Yeah. It just yeah. makes sense. It fits... Like a glove. Shut a up, baseball Andrew. glove. Y'all knew what you signed up for. Shut the fuck up. Ladies and gentlemen, it's official. Andrew will be sleeping on the couch tonight. I love you. Fuck you. Anyway. Time and place, sweetie. Time oh, God, place. no. Fuck off. Okay, you're right. We need to talk about somebody who is not tainted in the ways of sex <laughs> or sex education or sexuality. Before, but is there he anything can, else? But he... Uh, how, how, Casey's how is perfect. I was gonna say, Tiger can't swing for shit, so... <laughs> Tiger wouldn't... Doesn't Ti even know how to swing. Tiger doesn't know what team to swing on anyway, either. He doesn't know anything. He's idiot sexual. He Bill Sacramento is Tiger. He I plays meant, for his own team. I meant that in the... I meant that in the literal and the figurative sense. Oh, yeah. Anyway, so Philip Sacramento as Tyga is probably the most fun performance in the entirety of this goddamn show. And I am sad that I didn't get to really know who Philip Sacramento is until this goddamn moment. Better late than never. Oh, he's True, great. but still. So, he's great. So, fun thing to oh, talk yeah, about behind the scenes for this particular casting. Mm-hmm. So, Taiga is foreign. Yes. They don't actually know what nationality he is. Mm -hmm. So, he's kind of like Rolf from Ed and Eddie in that they know he's a foreign kid. They don't really know where. So, as far as casting, all natural accents were fair game. And the one that impressed Lenti the most was Philip's great audition and his very authentic Irish accent. He's but Lenti was open to the character having any accent. They just wanted to pick the best one that fit. But that was the one they went for, and god damn it. Oh, it's the best thing what ever. A, what a great choice. Oh, it's a fantastic choice. Philip is so fucking fun. He is inspired, and he is just a fucking stupid himbo bitch. I love him. I love Tiger so much. He's a stupid fraud. 
he is a, oh. he is a fucking himbo through and through. He is kind, he is stupid, but he is an arrogant asshole that is going to get into fights, but he wants to get better at the game, mm -hmm. and he'll take any means he can. He is charming, he is dumb, he does not understand what sex is, he does the fall into boobs gag, and he doesn't even react. Oh yeah. The girl's just like, um, would you mind letting it go? Ah, uh, oops, sorry about that. Like, he's not flustered or anything, he's just like, no. oh, hey, that's pretty soft. If, if it was fucking Oh, San whoops, if sorry it, about that, madam. If, if, if it was Santaru, he would have been just, like, trying to stay there for an extra, like, five minutes. Taiga's just like, ah, my bad. Haru would be, like, freaking Haru out. Haru would be flustered, Santaru would want to stay there. Taiga's just like... Taiga's like, oh, my bad, and gets, just gets up. Oh, dang. Nonchalant. That's pretty soft. I wonder if mine are like that. I don't even think his brain would process even to that extent. You're like, you're like, guy boobs and girl boobs are close to each other? Oh. I don't think he would process that like that, but okay. Uh, the man's also a tuna fisherman, and he plays like he smells like fish. He's such yeah. a goober. Taiga is a goober. I love it. It's, oh my god. He's too sweet to be fishy. He's too good and pure for this earth because he's a fucking idiot. <laughs> He's an idiot. I boil. He's an idiot. He's a fucking idiot. It's it's not about braids. It's about being dumb and kind. And fucking Tyga has it in spades. And Philip is just the most fun performance in this entire show. You can tell that every session with Philip was a treat. You can hear him having fun with the character. You can hear him really growing into the character. To me, Philip is the MVP. I like how you also You're said that. You done great, laddie. Oh, he done. Hoi boyo. Uh, I like how you described it as him being an idiot, but also having, like, being so kind. I I actually wrote down a note saying that like, Philip is such a goober, but probably has the biggest heart of the cast. Because Taiga has several moments where he ends up, especially after Shun, uh, Shun's death, where he somehow ends up being, like, the motivational, like, the motivational speaker of sorts. He tries to push everybody to get, right. to stop wallowing in despair. Yeah. Oh my god, he's the ultimate hope! Fuck you! You would think it would be Haru, but nope! It's Ta Taiga. <laughs> Oh my god, I just realized. You know what? Mm -hmm. If Har- You know what's fucking- Okay, you know what? I'm gonna bring this back to Danganronpa V3. Oh god, what? If Haru is Shuichi, Taiga is Kaito Monoma. He is the luminary of the stars. He is the big old friend. I think I know who that is. I haven't played or Danganronpa V3. V3. That's, um... That's Kyle A. Bear. I was say, that's Kyle A. Bear's character in the game, right? Yep. Okay. He's the biggest bro that ever done broed. Oh, Taiga's the biggest bro who ever done broed. Are you kidding me? Bas basically, Taiga is is fiery Kaito. Oh my god, you know what this is? What? Oh my god, it's more than that. It's more what? than just that. What? Taiga is the Leon Kuwada redemption arc ten years later. Oh, Oh my god. 
Oh my god. Instead of Leon being the asshole shitty hack baseball guy oh who's god. a total asshole, this is the Leon Kuwata redemption arc. Tribe 9 is the Leon Kuwata redemption arc. I hate you. I hate you. You hate me because I'm right! Do Just not yell. Right it is almost mean midnight. You're it is almost midnight. Do not yell. Anyways. In this apartment. Phil's my favorite performance of the show, and I love Tyga. He's fucking stupid. I love Tyga, too. Uh, and Philip is definitely one of my favorite performances of the entire show. I think it's like, in terms of favorite performances, it's definitely Philip, Jacob, and then even Corpse up there. Like, 100%. Um, because I was just so surprised by all three of their performances, and I just fell in love with all three of their performances. In terms of Philip's Tyga, again, Tyga is the biggest goober that could ever fucking goober in a, in a show. But... He has he's the he has the biggest heart and ends up being the biggest motivational piece for the Minato tribe, and every everybody likes to poke fun at Taiga. It ends up being a running gag throughout the whole show. But Taiga has his own character arc to go through too because he kind of gets in the, he kind of he gets in the XB where where Haru kind of falls into it accidentally. Taiga sought it out for shits and giggles, and. He's not good at it, but um, Taiga has his own arc, which involves him going to the Taito tribe to try and get stronger and get better at playing the game. And it's a fun and interesting arc because you you get to see these moments where Taiga, freaking energetic, like inspirational Taiga, have those moments of weakness too. And it's a very interesting side to Taiga's character that Philip actually gets to play in the show as well. So, I enjoyed every aspect of Philip's character as Taiga, and just, ugh. Taiga's a dummy. He's an idiot. He literally cannot and hit I love a, him. He literally cannot hit a ball for shit, so he just learned to swing so hard that the air currents changed yep. the trajectory of the fucking ball. Yep. Which is so yep. dumb, but I love it. It's so dumb, but it's amazing. How do you feel, Jamal? That's a lot of pressure to change the haircut, but he did good, boy. He did good, boy. He's fucking great. He's fucking great. Idiot. <laughs> I, I apologize for the horrible Irish accent. I'm not. <laughs> I, mean, I apologize because I'm part Irish and I don't have, I, I'm awful with the accent, so. Oh, I, I'm partially good to dress, uh, listen to the Black Butler movie episode. Yeah, I'm also part Irish, but yeah, you did fucking great. I don't really have anything else to say. You yeah. did good, Boyo. You're a fucking idiot, but <laughs> you did fucking great. <laughs> All right, Boyo. You want to grab a pint and then get out of here? I haven't hey, cut Irish rolls in the bathroom first. <laughs> oh, lordy. Anyway, is there anything else we want to say about Casey and Philip before we move on to final thoughts? Yeah, I think we're good. They, they knocked it out of the park. Home run! Alright, let's move into final thoughts about Tribe 9. What are our final thoughts on the English dub for Tribe 9? Who would like to go first? To me, the dub is what makes this show. Because I'm going to be real with you. I think this show's just kind of alright. Mm -hmm. I 
think, like, I, I, I know I'm a big fan of Danganronpa, and I adored Akadama Drive. I think this show is just kind of alright. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's terrible. I don't think it's god-awful. I don't think it's amazing. I think it's a decent show. This is a show I would 100% say, if you're going to watch Tribe 9, the optimal experience to enjoy Tribe 9 is the English dub. Because everything that goes into this English dub is a team of people that loved and adored everything that they put into it and just had a fucking grand old time. Like, it just you could just tell that I'm having fun watching this show because I can tell the people that are dubbing this are having fun making this show. I would say that it's an okay show, but this to me is an example of a decent show with a strong dub that actually does raise it a point or two in my rating just because of the strength and passion that goes into the dub. So to that, to Marissa Lenti and their entire team at Soundcaden Studios, that is absolute massive kudos. Congratulations. Good job. Alright, Jamal, what are your final thoughts on the dub of Tribe 9? Well, I'm glad you said that, because when I thought about it, I, I was reading some interviews, and one report, one them said that, uh, that Tribe 9 kind of struck out, because I didn't remember exactly why they said but I did agree with them on one point, though, because I feel with, uh, Koika's previous works, Dragon Rapper, Dragon Rapper 3, uh, and Akudama Drive, I felt... Aquadama Drive was the strongest out of those three because it had some, not only did it have something original, but it wasn't really tied into anything, so it could do a story however it wanted. But with Dog and Mappa, and in particular Tribe Night, I do feel like something was missing. Like, like part of the story was kind of compressed. I know it's supposed to be, I don't know if it's supposed to be a tie in to the mobile game, which. I I'm, checked, pr- I'm pretty sure it's part of the mobile game stuff, yeah. Which I checked, and I have not seen any more information other than it was announced. So, whatever we might be missing, it will probably be in there. But for right now, it's an okay show. It's pretty good. I mean, mm-hmm. It was kind of hard to rewatch because I did fall asleep a few times. But, but I was still able to recall the show vividly as well as the dub because and that's another thing about when because sound cadence will do uh a bad show good and a great show even better so they can turn anything into gold basically like for example i managed to watch all the full dive i was not interested in watching full dive before but they managed to- oh full dive is a good example of turning a bad show at least watchable <laughs> I watched Full Life 2. I 100% understand where you're coming from with that one. I gave that show a W. <laughs> I didn't, but hey. And that and that speaks to that speaks to its quality of the dub. You know, it gives them creative freedom to do it however they want to, you know, however they see fit. Yeah. And for that, I gotta commend Letty and the group. So. I will say though, I did re- I did not realize it till earlier. They also accomplished another feat with the show, but I'll wait till you 
plug the show. So. Oh well, we'll we'll see. Uh, as for my final thoughts, so Tribe Nine is weird of an amalgamation of a show. This this is is some fucking fun time. It's fun popcorn material kind of deal. And it's just, for me, it's a fun watch, even with some of the convoluted story elements. Um, but I think what really sells it is the English dub that was produced here. Uh, because, <laughs> because you know it's a, they had a lot of fun with it. There were some fun character choices, casting choices, uh, direction and writing choices that were made that... If I feel if handled incorrectly would not work, but with the care and attention to the show, as much as it has gotten, it actually turned out for the best. And uh, kudos to Lenti and Lenti, the Sound Kings team, as well as the casting, the cast um, of this show. Y'all made something fun and memorable. You know, and there it also introduced us to a f few actors that I really hope get the chance to do more shows. More shows and have the chance to really like get to play and expand their repertoire even more. Um, if you haven't seen this show and you're and you want something fun that's very fun, bingeable, and crazy enough that you're just gonna get a kick out of it. Uh, please go watch Tribe Nine. Uh, it's a very fun show. It's uh, it's not my favorite anime adaptation that the Daigon Rampa team has done. Honestly, I would give that to Akudama as well. Um, however, in terms of how fun of a show this is, I really did enjoy Tribe Nine for what it is, and um, the dub just elevates it even more. Honestly, uh, if you, dear listeners at home, are interested in seeing Tribe 9 for yourself. Uh, it is available currently on Funimation Entertainment, and actually, as of today, the time of this recording, it made its way to Crunchyroll as well. They've been moving over a bunch of the Funimation catalog to Crunchyroll for months now, and it was finally Tribe 9's turn to make the move. Yep, so officially as of the day to of this recording. change stadiums, if you will. <laughs> uh, as of the day of this recording, um, it has officially been moved over to Crunchyroll. Uh, so you can, uh, for right now, you, you're, you're able to watch the Japanese as well as the English dub over on, I believe, both Funimation and Crunchyroll for the time being. And a home video release is coming out in... November? November yes. 1st, I think. Yep, it's coming out in November. Because that's around my birthday. So, happy birthday to me. I get both Tribe 9 and the second season of fucking Moriarty. Happy which, birthday to me. Which, this is probably one of the only times I can... The only other time I can recall is Pop Team Epic, where a show has a simuldub and a home video release in the same year. As far as I can recall. I don't nah, think that's it's, true. It's more frequent than you think. Nowadays, I don't think I that's think. true at all. Um, But anyway... uh. If you're interested, I think that's that's all it is with the Trap 9 stuff and where you can find it. Yeah, that is. My brain. I'm blanking. If you're interested in anything that we here at the, the podcast do, uh, if you are currently watching the 
video version on YouTube. Um, please hit subscribe um, so you can follow us and get episodes every week. Like, comment, and subscribe and all that jazz. <laughs> Like, comment, and subscribe. Um, if you are currently listening to us on audio platforms such as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Podbean, please follow us on those so you can um, get the newest episodes. We um, we put episodes up every week on Fridays. Um, we also have, if you're interested in following us on other social media platforms, we are on. We have a Twitter and Twitch account. Both of them are at Dubtuck Podcast. Uh, with the Twitch account where all the hosts at some point or another uh, stream video games throughout the course of the week. Uh, with the exception of Fridays, because we don't want to stream games when we have new episodes coming out on Fridays. Um, for any, If you want to follow anything of the three of us, no, wrong. Uh, if you want to support the Tuck in a different capacity, uh, we do have a Kofi account for one-time donations, and we also have a Patreon uh, if you want to be a more frequent supporter of the show uh, and give and help us out in another way. Uh, to which, of course, we have fun little benefits, including uh, exclusive ac- early access to audio versions of the episodes, little exclusive clips before episodes air, uh, part of our own little Patreon uh, episode raffle that we do quarterly, and also shout-outs to our wonderful patrons, which include Megan's mom and dad, Michelle Travis, Nico Robinbow with Yali Hands, Victor May Borda, Anthony Brown, Carly Lestakow, Crimson Echidna, Jacob Wilson, Jared Hawkins, Marissa Lenti, and Otaku Anthony. Thank you guys so much for your support. We really appreciate it. And it's because of you guys that we get to continue to keep growing and doing more fun episodes like this. Um, thanks for thanks for uh, tailgating all of our shows. Tailgating party! We appreciate it. Tailgate party Thank in the you. parking lot! Anyway, uh, if you're interested in anything that the three of us on this current episode do, um, you can follow Jamal on Twitter at Jamstar529 um, and video project blog stuff happening, maybe. I don't know what you're doing. (laughs) Well, I help you edit for this podcast. Well, everybody tends to help edit for the podcast. Points move. I have a conflict of interest on solo podcast, but we'll see. Ah, I getcha, I getcha. Um, if you're interested in anything that Andrew does, you can follow him on Twitter at Mangaman9000. Um, he's also a Discord moderator for the Funimation Discord, and you can also catch him uh, on Surreal Resolutions Podcast ONA along with fellow Dub Talk co-host Jet. Uh, as for me, of course, my name is Stephanie. You can follow me on Twitter at Lilac Anime Review with review being spelled R-E-V-U-E. Um, I also <laughs> I also do the TikToks now for shits and giggles. So if you are mildly curious and want to follow me on TikTok, it is also um, Lilac Anime Review. Review being spelled the same way as I do with the Twitter. Um, and Andrew and I do the speaking of the Twitch streams, Andrew and I do the Twitch streams on occasion, usually on Sundays, where I stream in the afternoon. Um, right now, at the time of recording, it's been a lot of Pokemon Arceus. And then at night, at the time of this recording, Andrew and I have been playing I the Somnium Files Nirvana Initiative. We made jokes about <laughs> Ota earlier, so timing of that is fantastic. Lenti, because I know you made it through the entirety of this episode, you owe it to yourself to someday get to play I the Somnium Files. You're gonna fucking love that, my dude. Konami Date is the best and the fucking worst. Yeah! 
Oh, Kanami Date is effectively the best and the worst. And Ota is just the worst. Ota is just awful. Uh, we do not like Ota in this house. We love Kanami Date, and Mizuki is best daughter. Mizuki is best, yeah. Mizuki is best daughter. Anyway, I think that's it for us at this point. Right? So, Did I miss anything? Yeah, so, I'm gonna buy some peanuts and Cracker Japs, and honestly, three hours in, I don't care if I ever come back. God damn it. Thank you, Jamal. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for joining us today. We hope you had a great time. We enjoy sitting here and talking about Tribe 9. Um, and I think that's about it from us. So, until next time, guys. Taku on, my friends. Good night, everybody, and make sure to get railed. Otaku on. Otaku on. Keep up swinging. Andrew. <laughs> Jamal, you missed what he just said. <laughs> I, I was zoned out a little bit. You son of a bitch. I'm going to stop recording now. Tonight.